Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah. Talk Recorded live. Sorry, fellas, I forgot to start the recording. I just did it. Okay. We're on. Well, anyway, back in 2009, there was an individual that was in the family rights movement, claimed to be the prima donna, and she sued 30 individuals in the court. Yeah. In federal court. court. Yeah. Okay, and this case went from one document, which was 350 pages long, to over 1,300 entries in the court. Okay, there's 30 people involved in a lawsuit. The first thing I did was I filed a motion to challenge them on jurisdiction. She filed a counter. I filed a counter to hers. That's two documents that I put in there challenging jurisdiction in the manner, the way that I do it. That's and good. The, I'm not saying your way is, uh, sir. I'm not saying anything against your way or against. You asked me a different kind of question than that. I have. I I know other people have other methods that are excellent for what they do, and the courts will recognize them. They might not like them at all, but they will recognize them, and that that is a channel that you can go down if you want to play in their ball field. But there are shortcuts, and if if you're in a situation where they're uh, sandbagging you. You have to be able to take the shortcuts because they're going to play the game the way they want to do it. Well, so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not putting you down. I'm not putting you down. I'm not putting your well, methods I, down. I didn't say you were, but I'm just giving you an example of what I've had success with. I'm glad you have. If I may well, interject just for a moment, I, I'm, I'm thinking that the, uh, the, ultimate, the question that you had presented to Hartford was, what does he think about the uh, the three jurisdictions that you were talking about and that you had named and and in my belief after having listened for about the last five minutes I believe he answered your question Shorty uh, whether uh, you know in in his own way he's answered your question I believe um, I, well I would agree with that you know there's this fellow named Ed Riviera and Chuck probably remembers him but yeah. <laughs> Ed started winning all the federal cases. He was a lawyer, and because he challenged them on the three different types of jurisdictions that I brought up, and he was winning every federal case, and so what they did was they snuck in the back door and disbarred him. And now he's not allowed to practice law the way that he was. And so what he's doing is he's teaching law. And his method of teaching law is he's teaching what they call organic law. Uh-huh. And uh, and so he's doing well by bringing others up, and I followed a little bit of his stuff, not all of his stuff, but I do understand that I have good success by just challenging three different jurisdictions. If there's more, and I and it can increase my ability to move forward and make me more productive, because everything that I do is a ministry, and so when it's a ministry, I help people, and I don't charge. You know, I'm I'm interested in 
seeing the injustice being stopped in every manner that I can. That's good. But yet, but the uh, the long and the short of that, Darius, there's very few people that have the backbone to want to stand up to it. Yeah. That's always the deal there. Well, I'll now give the floor to somebody else now. <laughs> Thank you, Shorty. Um, um, well, we're off to a good start. Sorry I didn't get that um, uh, excellent discussion earlier on the record there. Um, but we're on the record now. Um, and I wanted to uh, mention to Hartford that um, um, the last two conferences, I've uh, done some partial transcripts, especially of uh, interaction between yourself and myself, Hartford. And I included those in the conference invitations, and I sent to, uh, uh, the copies of those conference invitations to um, uh, your email address along with, with everybody else who's here at Hartford. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so we'll kind of have a, a, a written text-based record there of what's going on. And at that point, I think we're kind of opening up the door even broader for us to perhaps think in terms of um, um, at some point in the future actually holding, um, uh, inviting uh, 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 corrupted public servants into the conference. You don't have to. You don't have to do that. They're already, they're already there <laughs> through the NSA. So they're already there. If they want to be, they're already there. There's nothing private about a telephone line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but at that point, um, uh, if we see it, that, I, I was driving towards the point of saying that we're a court of record, or we can at least claim that, especially if we're, we're doing transcripts of the proceedings, because uh, that makes a nice record of exactly what's happening. And um, at that point, um, um, uh, we can invite them in and, and even invite them to participate in the jury selection. I don't think, I don't think it's a wise thing for you to do. Okay, well, I'm open to you're, you're playing head games with them. Don't get involved in it. Well, it, you've got uh, better things to do with your time than to invite criminals in to talk with you on the phone. Well, um, believe me, I, 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 if you're there, they know you're there. The, the federal government knows that you got this show. I, I'm <laughs> sure the de facto federal government does know. Who do you think sets these conference calls up? Well, it might why, be. Why would it be free? Well, um, just let I, it live there. Don't worry about it. I'm just saying you always assume that they're listening on the phone or else you're foolish. Right. So don't you don't have to get out there and dig them and try to pull them to the surface. Okay, but if, if we're going to try to evolve to a community that can have its own then take care of your own. Charity begins at home, and don't bother yourself with the people who want to ruin your trip. All it's going to do is bring on a bunch of time wasting. Yep. Well, they don't, they, 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 look, they, if they want to know the don't try to don't try to 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 uh, make these people over. They are what they are, and they're not. And if you start digging at them, all you're going to do is you track them, and all they're going to do is waste your time. Well, they we have, can get a default judgment on them. For what? 
from from the, the 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 vile cases that they're bringing against us. Well, so then start with a criminal complaint, a proxy criminal complaint, go to a proxy lien, and then let it go to default and put currency on the street. Well, th- that's certainly part of the strategy, but I, it I, is I, the strategy. Know. Now wait a minute. It is the strategy. You have a problem. You have a bunch of crooks out there that want to take over the government, or, or have already done so. Right. It's a crime. Right. The issue is they're committing a crime. Yes. If they're committing a crime, the proper instrument is a criminal complaint. And yes. since they will not, they will not prosecute their own. They exercise selective prosecution. You have to back that up with a lien, so that when they quit being the prosecutor, you become the prosecutor through the lien process. And since they don't want to answer those liens, they will go into default automatically. They always do. This is a pattern. Right. When they go into default, it becomes an accounts receivable. At that time, you can put a currency on the street that describes exactly what you tried to do and why the currency's got value. And once yeah. you get it to that point, then the public is going to be listening because they want some of that money just like anybody else does. And then they're all going to perk up their ears and they're going to learn how to handle that money because they don't dare use any new money unless they understand where it came from and why it exists. Okay. I'd like to interject something here. This is David. Um, Let's assume that that, uh, we are that group with our ears perked up, and you are the person who's already filed the criminal complaints, done the liens, and distributed the the currency. I think... I think that that's a pretty accurate statement. I know my no, it is an accurate statement. <laughs> so, uh, so at, how do we now take the ball from where you're at with those liens and with the uh, with the currency? That's what how, one of those. That's one of those things. That you asked what was. Hello, are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, so there was a click on the phone. Um, uh, what you need to understand is that one of those the things on that disc is the bank book, and it explains that step. Okay. Okay. And, and it's right. available. It's about a 35-page book also. There are booklets. My books are all short. Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars is 56 pages. It became an international classic translated into all kinds of foreign languages because it was a simple process of doing a, a, a collage of, of military and economic writings. It wasn't particularly original. But uh, it's just the right information collected together in one package that made it interesting. So, but but that's on money too. That's the precursor. That's the one that gives you the technical insight on how to create currencies for local communities. Then the bank book takes it to third step and how to get the stuff out on the street. It isn't complete in itself because there's there's a certain amount of experimental work that has to be done on that because it, it takes certain steps to get the public accustomed to the idea of it. And you're talking about the bank book. It takes a, 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 it takes That's some, the name uh, of it. That's the name of the writing. It's on the okay. disc. It's on the disc. Okay. Now the bank book. If you don't want, if you're looking for these individually, and, and you want to, you can look these up on. Uh, Four Corners Doctrine dot uh, com, which is a simple way to file into that one. Is there's a lot of clatter in the background here. What's clicking? Just making noise here. Needs to mute. 
Okay. Four Corners Doctrine, 4-CD.com. Number four with a dash or hyphen, CD.com. That will bring up, I think, all three of those items. So they're available even already on the Internet. You don't have to send for the disc if you don't want to. It's up to you. But you'll get it. It's, it's, it's available at a reasonable cost, the postage plus the cost of the materials to put it together. Five dollars. And, uh, but it was a little bit, if you know how to get around on the Internet, well, you can find it there. Or you go to Rosner's, Arnie Rosner's site. He's got that stuff. And they, both of them have a lot more than just that. And uh, Arnie Rosner's set is called, uh, site is called uh, Scanned Retina, S-C-A-N-N-E-D, Retina, R-E-T-I-N-A, Scanned Retina. So, dot com. So these are things, you just look them up. If you look these up and study them, then you could probably, if you have questions, that, then I would sure like to hear them because any questions people ask forces a, a growth in knowledge. It's, yeah. nice to, it's nice to have challenges because, you know, the trouble working with this stuff for 43 years of very, at various different stages of it kind of makes, uh, makes it easy for me to understand but that doesn't mean that when I display this stuff, other people get all the facts. And, uh, there's, the things, there's things I know that aren't in the book, in other words, what I'm saying. And uh, it draws it out. When people ask questions, it draws us out to the surface and makes me more aware of what might not be presented yet in my books and should be there. I don't know, you see. It's, you can get too close to a thing, so close to a thing, you don't realize it's comparison to what other people are, are experiencing or what they know by their their uh, current activities in life. So it's always good to have input. Every There's nobody you can talk to on the subject who won't have something to teach you. I mean, everybody's got their understanding. Everybody's got their their perspective of it. And those perspectives are very valuable. When they see it from a different angle, then you have to learn to be able to teach in such a way that the, the truth reaches that angle too. It's like having a, a gem stone with several cuts on it of shape of the gemstone. They're like different windows to the same thing. So, uh, Hartford, Hart, uh, I've got your uh, DVD open right now, uh, and I don't see anything called Bank Book. Uh, if I read these file names out, you'll recognize it, won't you, which one it is? <clears throat> uh, the Bank Book, uh, you, do you have the number at the top of it? The bank, uh, book, says, the bank book is Z is Z, Z one two two eight. Oh, com, I see it. Okay. Yeah, I got it. Okay, I got it up right now. I'll, I'll take a look at it while we're talking. And um, holy moly! Okay, twenty nine <laughs> pages. Holy moly! He says. <laughs> why why uh, don't you go back and read the thing about the restaurant method of presenting these things? That's kind of interesting for a beginner. The method of, right. getting, a method of getting the notes in circulation by by going to a restaurant. Uh, is that in this file or a different it's, file? It's in that file about two-thirds of the way in. All right, no problem. Three-quarters maybe in. <laughs> I should have an index on each of those books to help people find them. The book uh, How to Create Currencies for Local Communities has got a very in, in detailed table of contents. 
it's actually two books in one. one. It's a history, two-thirds of it's on the history of money and its operation and its technical theory. And the second, uh, and then the final third of it is on how to create public wealth rebate notes and uh, what the rules are for using them and what the relationship is to the public and how the public can act, gain access to them. All right, so this this little restaurant example, it's uh, just a paragraph long, right? It's, that's in the bank book. Yeah, uh, the the restaurant example, you, uh, it, it's, uh, it's just a paragraph just flip, here? Just, just flip through the pages, go toward the end pages. I could probably find it for if I had my master copy here. Right, I, I, I'm just I found it. I've got it. It's on page 25. I, it, but yeah, if it's that's about I, that's about right. Yeah, uh, I, if you don't mind, I'll read it because it's sure. short enough for me. To read it. Sure, go ahead and read it. It'd be interesting All to right. read it. Hey, this is a simple example of the PWRN sales technique. Uh, PWRN stands for what? Public Wealth Rebate Note. Thank you. Uh, you will go into a restaurant with a witness and order meals for both of you on the same meal ticket, totaling, say, for example, $15. After you've eaten the meal and the waitress comes to the table, you will hand the waitress her chip in the common currency, the Federal Reserve notes, a set of uh, 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 PWRN's um, public wealth rebate notes and a wealth booklet about public wealth rebate notes and tell her it's an interesting gift for her to study. She does not have to accept the gift. Then you go to the cashier and pay for the meal with Federal Reserve notes. You do not make any comments about Federal Reserve notes. You get a receipt for the meal payment. Then, without making any specific comments about money or politics to the cashier, you leave on his counter one public wealth reserve note, and a booklet about public wealth reserve notes. Tell him it is an interesting gift for him. And that's, re- that's public wealth rebate notes. Oh, but what did I say? Oh, just reserve notes. It's just it's public oh, wealth rebate notes. Okay, yeah, go, ahead. Rebate notes. go ahead. Everybody who has been owed any money in this commercial transaction has been fully paid in full, uh, Federal Reserve notes, and you have provided the public wealth rebate note materials as an interesting gift for them. Therefore, you and your witness cannot be charged with failure to pay the bill, and more people can get a better understanding about the public wealth rebate notes, alternative currency, and its buying purchasing power. Uh, actually, I kind of dig that. That's pretty cool. <laughs> now, the question is, how much... How much money goes into the to the booklet about public wealth rebate notes that we each have to everybody that's not gets the end, that's, that's not the end of the story. It keeps going. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, well, that's what I was asking about. The, that was only an introduction to it. Now you get into the story about the details of it. That was just an oh. overview. Now you get into oh. the strict. Now you get into the strict strategy that's behind it. Okay. All right. So that that doesn't look that much longer. Is that okay, uh, um, Charles? Okay. All right. So uh, let's see. Keep it simple. Four warnings. When your witness eats a meal with you, you want to combine the cost of one meal ticket or bill uh, so that the cashier will only have to perform one Federal Reserve note. 
transaction. You do not ask the cashier for a receipt for the public wealth rebate notes or the public wealth rebate note booklets. The cashier is not able to make a, to, uh, is not going to be able to lawfully order the waitress to throw her public wealth rebate note tips into the garbage can. And a wise cashier being required to maintain a full record of the day's business transactions will not throw away the public wealth rebate notes or the public wealth rebate note booklets into the garbage for the same reason. There is nothing unlawful about the public wealth rebate note process or about the honor type honor type should pay to bearer quote uh, a public wealth rebate notes or about the public wealth rebate notes booklet. So everything that you have given out to the waitress and given out here is a safe gift. Public wealth rebate notes cannot be publicly portrayed anymore by the officers of a de facto government to be a fraudulent or fictitious, fictitious, fictitious commercial instrument without the officers exposing and destroying their own extremely corrupt government money system. But be careful anyway, because many government officers cannot be trusted to be truthful, honest, or honorable. When you perform this public wealth rebate note public educational service, it is best to have a witness with you. Someday, that precaution will not be necessary. The next subheading says, while the restaurant is preparing the meal... After you have ordered the meals and have made an accurate calculation of what this event is going to cost you, you will choose what federal rebate notes you will use to pay the waitress's tip and write down or record their serial numbers, and you will choose what honor type should pay uh, should pay pu- public wealth rebate note currency notes you will give her and write down, record their serial numbers and secure these two sets of notes into one collection with a paper clip. You will do the same thing for paying the cashier for the meal. Then you will put each of the two paper clipped collections of notes into the correct pockets of your clothing based on a stereotype memory trick, the left pocket for the lady waitress and the right pocket for the cashier, uh, a cash register, um, being the lady waitress being starting with the L and uh, as for the left pocket and R being for the cashier or register uh, for the right pocket. That way you'll keep the memory. Your witness will care for your witness records. Uh, then you deal with the waitress. The waitress, after the meal, you will give the waitress a 15% tip of, say, $3 in Federal Reserve notes. You also give her a generous gift consisting of a $1 public wealth rebate note plus a $3 public wealth rebate note plus a $7 public wealth rebate note plus a $12 public wealth rebate note totaling $23 in value in honor type should pay to bearer public wealth rebate notes. You should give her a public wealth rebate note informational booklet about what you have given her. She will have to report to the her her Federal Reserve note tips, <laughs> but will not have to report the public wealth rebate note gifts. <laughs> this is good. Uh, okay, your your waitress or your witness. Uh, will be made will be a written written record of the serial numbers and the denominations of your payment of the federal reserve notes 
and the same information for the public wealth rebate notes. The they, cashier. Yes. Um, uh, can we kind of wrap this up and get on to uh, We've got cases, and we've only got uh, so much time that. before you and others have to uh, leave here. So can we well, it goes on. Yeah, and it, it goes on. It's I'm, up, I'm, up to you, whatever you want to do. It, it goes on and explains explains how it's safely paid off at the cashier. It goes into quite a bit of detail about it. But go ahead. Right. The, uh, there's not much left in my right here. Uh, the cashier. Then you proceed to the cashier to pay for your meal. In the presence of your witness, you present your restaurant meal bill to the cashier, and you present to the cashier $15 in Federal Reserve notes totaling the full amount which you owe for the meal. The cashier must give you the receipt for the meal, and your witness in the pre presence of the cashier signs the receipt as a witness to the payment in full for the food in Federal Reserve notes. Then you place on the cashier's counter at least as many dollars worth of honor type should pay to the bearer of public wealth rebate notes as you paid in Federal Reserve note dollars, say $23 of public wealth rebate notes, and you place on the cashier's counter an information booklet or brochure about the public wealth rebate note currency. Then you leave the restaurant without having had any verbal conversation with the cashier about the public wealth rebate notes. This approach eliminates any false claims about what was said and or done. This is the last section. Compensation for the advertisement staff. You and your witness return to the public wealth rebate bank slash trust with the original receipt and copies of the receipt of your restaurant transaction and get reimbursed or paid back three times the amount of the public wealth rebate note dollars you spent as your cost, your profit, and your witness's cost and profit on the amount used as public wealth rebate note dollars plus payment in public wealth rebate note dollars for reasonable witness and travel fees for your time service and transportation costs, portal to portal, and uh, report writing services. Now, if I'm right, that that is the end of all those subcategories of that restaurant uh, scenario, and it goes on to barter banks and note exchange stores. And so I, right. I think the rest of the is done. Sure. That's fine. There is more detail, but the whole book's, that whole bank book's got things like that in it, so you'd want to have a copy of it. You want to read it? It's available on the internet. Well, so what, um, what what does this process actually do for you? What it advertises. It advertises a note because when they take that back, those receipts back to the bank, they get a full year's interest on it, twelve percent interest on it. In other words, if they went out with a hundred dollars and do this process, they come back, they get rewarded for with an extra twelve dollars of, of uh, public wealth rebate notes. In other words, they get a profit for it, but what it boils down to is it's a method of advertising the note. And nobody gets anywhere in this country with any kind of a business in any great magnitude without advertising. It's the cost of advertising. There's no way now, to get it. What? I get it. I get it. Um, and um, uh, let me ask this. Uh, I, I was wondering if uh, Cheryl is on the line from Michigan yet? Um and she's not. somebody from West Michigan. Okay. There's somebody else from Michigan? Okay. Well, um, the reason why I'm wondering is because uh, Cheryl has introduced me. Well, no. Cheryl and I have both been introduced to this um, 
nation, new, new government that is uh, in, in its formation or have already formed uh, that called the United States of America, 1781. And they are doing a similar program where they are issuing continental dollars, and they are manufacturing the dollars, and they're issuing a whole new currency under their um, their new nation. And, no, but what are, uh, what are they backing it with? Well, I uh, that I'm not really I'm I, I'm not sure. I, the public. The public wealth rebate note is already backed. It's for I know, real. It's backed, yes, and and it's uh, it's backed by those criminal complaints that are unanswered and and the the stat the codes and, all, and by the, and by all the labor dollars that were paid into taxes since 1933. That's you bet. Uh, Executive Order One 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 Zero, John F. Kennedy. He was putting. He was about to put the Red Seal note back on the street, and they killed him over it. Yeah. Okay. All right. I, I'm digging it. I, I'm. It, and those. These are all facts that are easily found in history. You know. Um, yes, they are. You know, we know how much uh, each of these criminals have been paid over the course of uh, years and decades uh, of it's tax not, dollars. It's not just that. The Fifth Amendment says, nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. That means that they're, they're not supposed to take your tax money and use it on something other than what it's supposed to be for public service. And if we, Anybody that makes money, if they can hold on to their money, except to put it into a fund managed by their local community for taxation purposes, they become the sovereigns. If you can't control the money you learn, you've earned by your work, you're not a sovereign. That's the de- primary determination of sovereignty. It's whether or not you originate the currency that you use. Wow. People, people don't seem to understand that is what sovereignty is, is a capacity to, to put your own currency on the street. That's what, okay. Amshel, that's what Amshel Rothschild did. And look at our Federal Reserve note. It's Rothschild money. Well, and they do that at Disneyland too. I mean, with Disney dollars. I mean, it's uh, um, uh, <laughs> we. It, 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 I dig. I can see it. We we do have the ability, and there are alternative currencies that are popping up uh, in various sections of the United States and in various communities. Uh, um, I, I read an article on that a couple of years back. Um, well, the people that are most capable of doing this are people that have established businesses. Any grocer can put a, a note on the street that's completely redeemable because it's redeemable at a store and food. So any grocer can produce a currency for a, for a, a small community, a grocer, an automobile uh, dealer, anybody that has something to offer that, that, that the public recognizes as valuable, they can put a note on the street volunteering that as a backing for what they do it's a hundred percent credible because it's intrinsic value. Well, exactly right. You know, I I did that at this gymnastics school where I I teach at, and uh, we had these. Uh, somebody had made up these little uh, uh, little things that say, you know, come come to come to the summertime camps and things like this for the gymnastics. And I wrote a, I wrote a little note on there. You know, this this the this piece of paper is good for one free lesson. You know, and that's uh, right. That's right. You know, 
it, it's totally, and those kids were just thrilled. I, I said, here, take three or four of these for your friends, and they have value. And they certainly did. Well, you see, I when I was, uh, I, I collect quite a bunch of dictionaries, and I got one dictionary that's, I really like this dictionary. This is a Webster's Elementary Dictionary for elementary school. And you would think, well, why would you be interested in that? Well, it's got the best definition of money I've ever come up with anywhere. <laughs> I'm going to re- read it to you. It's a, a let's see, a coupon, C-O-U, coupon. Here it is. It says, a coupon is a ticket or certificate or a detachable part of a ticket or certificate that shows the right of the holder to receive some service, payment, or discount. What do you think of that? That's a perfect description of money. Well, absolutely. And i gotta, I got to add this at this point, because I have an insider uh, scoop on um, uh, uh, a criminal case that's been going on in the federal courts for over 10 years involving a national... Our uh, uh, wholesale store chain called Super Value uh, that has um, uh, all kinds of subsidiaries. They're a big corporation you know, with all their shell companies and all this stuff. And one of the, the shell games that they had played uh, involved uh, IOS, which stands for Interno- International Outsourcing Services. And this IOS company was formed specifically to deal with coupons that um, were being manufactured and then um, used to for people, you know, as, as we get coupons in the mailbox all the time and, and, you know, newspapers and all this stuff. Well, this company, uh, to commit fraud, um, they had uh, the executives who are some of which have done plea bargaining over the last decade and, and some are now in prison, um, uh, had a scheme to take these coupons that were published and uh, and put them into a cement truck and roll them around to make them look all used and then sell them back to the to the grocers um, as uh, you know or somehow all this ties into the the grocery stores and so it was a chain of grocery stores that were victims of this that uh, had filed this federal lawsuit, and then that ultimately led to a criminal investigation by the Department of Justice. And, you know, so the whole thing boils down to that if they had just been conducting the business as uh, lawfully, then instead of frauding these stores, then, then that's, that's the way those businesses operate in, uh, in commerce, using these, these, these self-made uh, coupons. You know, it's money. The coupon system is totally lawful because it's backed. Whoever puts those coupons out is usually representing a store that has a valuable service or or product. Mm -hmm. And so all of that's supportable. They try to say this coupon is worth one-twentieth of a cent. Uh, They see that remark, and I think that's foolishness right there because they're they're as valuable as you want to make them. A person can make a currency based on their own money, on their own services. If they're a piano teacher, they say this note is backed by piano teaching. It's a rate of what, ten dollars an hour or whatever. And, uh, well, in my case, uh, in my case, I followed your example using the constitutional citation, uh, which which constitutes a criminal complaint as well. Oh, yeah. And and I. 
I've levied these things against the criminals, and I've given them every opportunity uh, to to respond. And uh, of course, they don't. And uh, and I've tallied them up. I've I've included a ledger along with these things, and I've presented them to them, and all the way to the point of serving the Michigan governor and the Michigan attorney general with um, with these these items, and and then serving them again with the notary presentment as a witness. You know. Um, yeah, but you have one thing you got to be very careful of. You have to understand that the criminal process is a public process. And you're acting as a proxy when you put in that criminal complaint. You're a proxy of the public. Right. You have to understand that. And when you do the lien, you're a proxy, an escrow agent of the public. And so the situation is, when it comes time to monetizing these things, you must monetize them to organizations and, and services that to, to support services that the criminal uh, operators have screwed up. You know, like supporting yeah, the yeah, common, common law juries or supporting uh, yeah. other services that are needed but have not been provided for because of the theft caused by the criminal factions within the government. Okay, I got it. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, can you give me some examples uh, similar to the restaurant scenario where we might, uh, where I might do something like that? Well, the best thing is a currency store. You have a create a currency store. You can do it now effectively with computers. It didn't used to be possible to do it with this thoroughness, but it is now. And a currency store is a store at which exchanges. It's you know banks have what's called a clearinghouse for their checks. They cross to over to the banks where they're supposed to be drawn on. They're called uh -huh. clearinghouses. Uh, a currency store is a similar idea. People bring their notes in. They have a certain service they want to offer. They put a certain amount of these notes in stock in the in the vault of the of this currency store and make it available. The currency store knows who it keeps a catalog on the, on screen of what's available, what notes are available from who, and how much they're back for, and what the rate of them is. Basically, describes the notes. So that when the uh, and others, if a person is going to do business with a grocer, they provide them with a signature card with a photograph and the basic information, so that they can have something that their cashier people can check cross check if they want to pay in their own notes. See, but you have a currency store where all of this money can be cleared. They have glass cabinets. They can look through at different people's notes, how they've constructed their notes, front and back. The front of the note says the dollar amounts in the basic contract, and the back side of the note discloses the backing of the note, what, what uh, intrinsic value it has. And so uh, I've done this. I've made my own notes, my picture in the middle on the front of it, uh, my signature on the notes, uh, positive identification, telephone numbers, addresses, things like that, so that they, they can't say it's a fraud because they can locate you. That was one of the things I ran into with my main public wealth rebate notes. The government tried to say, Mr. Van Dyke is hard to find. That's what they told the arraignment officer, the arraignment judge, Cynthia Ambrogno. He's difficult to find. I said, I'm not difficult to find. My name and number are on my notes. And they insisted on it. So one of the people that was making the claim, Joseph Findlay, I said, ma'am, she had already read my indictment before the court. 
And when, after she got done reading it, she turned it. What, what do you say to this, Mr. Vanek? Well, there's been no hot pursuit. I've been putting these notes out for five years with no hot pursuit. She just shook her head. Then Finley popped up and said, he's a hard man to find. We can't let him go. We had a difficult time finding him. I said, ma'am, can I put him on the witness stand under oath and question him? She said, yes, Mr. Bandai. <laughs> she was upset with him because here she's handling an arraignment. And there's no hot pursuit. So anyway, uh, I questioned him on the stand, proved he was a liar, and he had to get down off the stand and slink out of the courtroom under the watchful eye of the judge. And then somebody in the uh, prosecution, in the uh, government staff said, well, we can't let him go. We have him now. We, don't, we want to hold him in deten detention until the trial. And she says, you're not going to do that. I'm releasing Mr. Van Dyke on his own personal recognizance. Mr. Van Dyke, when you get to Portland, Oregon, you report immediately to a probation officer. And I was free on the street to handle my case and do what I had to right up to the day of the trial and all the way through the seven days of the trial. Well, that's, uh, they arrested me at the end of the trial. But you see, they'd already told me before the trial that I wasn't going to get a chance to defend myself. It's called a motion in limine. Right, right. And when I got when I got into court, they didn't give me a full trial. They went listened to the prosecutor, and I, my co-defendant. They focused in on my co-defendant, who I'd help create a currency to a good one. And uh, anyway, uh, they went halfway through the prosecutor's half, and then the judge shut the court trial down at the halfway point. Neither of us, neither my co-defendant or I, had a chance to defend. And in the closing statement, one of the junior prosecutors admitted that the people that called that trial into existence, the people, the people that called that trial into existence, was the board of directors of the Federal Reserve Corporation. <laughs> anyway, it went to the jury, and they got a verdict in their, in their behalf because of public. You know, the jury was intimidated by the authoritarian appearance of the judge. But there's a lot to that story. We don't have time to do all that today. Well, so, so getting back to the, uh, you're saying open up a public wealth rebate store? It's not just a public wealth rebate store. It's a, it's a money store, a currency store. Everybody in the community gets to, to bring in copies of their currency and have it accepted. Everybody gets to produce their own currency with their own identification, their own picture, with a statement of what they have to offer. It, it encourages the whole community to start expressing what their skills are, what they're able to do. It's a very fine method of advertisement. It gets the thing all wound up where people have a greater contact with each other. They know better. They get to know their neighbor because it's necessary in order to trade in that kind of currency. It's an exceptionally good count, a community builder. And okay, you can, and go ahead. just taking my, my scenario of the... Uh, of what I've done so far in in doing this, so you're saying that that when it comes to the distribution, that I should probably put this money, in, or this uh, these notes, into uh, organizations of people that have uh, have invested their time and and have been robbed of of things uh, by the the USA Inc. or whatever. Um, uh, such as, and I'll use an example. I was hoping that you'd give me a, a concrete example, but I'll use one. Let's say the National Liberty Alliance. I know the National Liberty Alliance for years 
Is there somebody eating something on the line here? Because I know that that's yeah. got to be bothersome for for Hartford and me. Yeah, well, they stop periodically too. So go ahead. <laughs> okay. All right. So um, so let's say the National Liberty Alliance, which I am aware has invested much money uh, into trying to get into the courts, get access to the courts, to confront the courts, and all this other kind of stuff. Well, I don't. I, I want to explain something to you. I don't get involved with Liberty Alliance. I understand they've improved their status and their position. They have some good ideas. That's the one and only thing that says FBI agents came to my front door and and wanted to talk with me about Liberty Alliance several months, a couple months, a couple years ago, and uh, so that's one thing that they are they have been confronting for for, for whatever reasons. But Liber, Liberty Alliance, I've I, I really don't want to get into arguments and things about personalities, but I I am not impressed with Mr. Durash. Uh, so uh, let's say a a NLA type of organization. There's many. You can provide you can provide support for any organization that's trying to guarantee that the public gets due process in the courts under the Constitution. So I will say I, I'm I'm going back to something concrete. I will mail them, uh, uh, you know, uh, five million dollars worth of. Uh, of my public wealth rebate notes out of the, the many billion, you know, that I might have. And, um, and, and then, then they also have to be provided with information as to how you obtain that money. They have to have, that's why my stuff is in print. It explains where that public wealth rebate note comes from. You can see actually, if you read that the last one third of the book, how to create currencies for local communities, all the questions that you're asking are answered in that. Okay. Well, I thought I'd try to give it a new forum here by putting it on the recording so that other people can Oh, go ahead. To it. Go ahead. I'm just uh, saying that if you're looking for a source, that would be a place you could look for that answer. But, uh, uh, yes, you see, the public officials that I filed against, that uh, was a judge and five U.S. attorneys in that Seattle case, had violated civil rights to, up to a certain point, how much value it had. It was all presented in the criminal complaint. And it went into default, and I produced currency immediately. I gave $2.2 billion away to the 39 counties of uh, state of Washington because the U.S. had come in there and, and uh, for, had done a uh, raid on an organization that was under the jurisdiction of the governor and the militia. And uh, so, anyway, what happened was that... Uh, the the, the the notes were put out, but they were the various counties were intimidated by the Secret Service and FBI. They started taking the notes. Then I put out a, a brochure that said, if anybody takes any of these notes away from the counties, I will replace them with three times face value, treble treble damages. And so they quit taking the notes away from the counties. I got a call from King County, which had a $675 million note. They said that they were visited and they were told don't spend it, I'll put it on the shelf in your vault and leave it there. So they weren't taking the notes anymore because they knew they didn't have a right to. But uh, it was a criminal offense for them to take the notes. But they were threatening people that if they tried to use those notes, there would be a problem. Well, that threat finally evaporated. They, they don't. But you want people to know how the note was formed, 
where the money came from so they can always argue the source of the money. That's very important. Okay, and so so let's say uh, the NLA uh, uh, example that I've, I've given, the, the NLA-like organization that I've given this to, uh, uh, what do they do with it now? Where do they go? What do they do? And how do I work with them or others in the future dealing with that, you know, to make that produce something? Well, the simplest thing in the, that I came up with in the beginning was that it put, could be put on auction. Those notes could be put on auction with the international money market. They are sellable. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to put the notes out to, you know, outside the United States. I wanted the federal government to be, have to own up to its own people right here at home. That was my attitude. I wasn't interested in putting the money outside the United States. I was interested in keeping it all in the United States providing it to organizations that wanted to use it. And you're asking, how do you get them to use it? Well, all these notes are real. They have a real backing if you understand them. That's why you have to give people paperwork to prove that they have that backing. And they can be put up for bid. If a nation has a trade deficit relative to the United States and they want to pay off a trade deficit, if you give them a million dollars, you put up a million dollars for bid, uh, it's called a Dutch auction. They bid downward from uh, one person might bid uh, ten ten million on the one on the one million dollar note because it's going to take them because it's going to take them ten million dollars to collect it and pay off the cost of the note. Or uh, somebody will bid five million, or maybe the lowest bidder is three million. They'll win the bid, and so they get the the note for three for uh, the the one million dollar note. The notary, the commercial notary at that auction place will put $3 million as the new value of the note. And uh, the people that receive the note will have to pay $1 million for the note. And uh, that leaves them $2 million to work with. And they have $2 million they can uh, pay, use to pay off a trade deficit with the United States. And the United States has to accept it then because it's coming in as an automatic statement of payoff of a trade deficit. They're stuck with it. I know they could, yes. I know, what? Does any of that take place in the um, uh, International Court of Claims or anything like that in Washington, D.C.? I believe they have one there, something like you that. You can take it there. You can take it to the world. Can whoever's coughing please uh, mute your phone? Um, it, it's very disturbing. I hope uh, Charles doesn't mind me speaking up on his show here. Uh, well, we have to do it when we have to do it. Okay. So, so uh, um, yes, you have the world court. You have other places that you can put it because what these notes do is they describe a criminal pro a criminal act by a public government, public official in this country that has hurt the public. And so, when you well, make when you make that a, a public issue, that public issue international. There are these little countries that say, "Well, it's high time that the American people that the uh, we get this stuff processed because it's the American people's way of alerting us to the true condition of the United States of America, and the government of the United States of America is going to have to learn to own up to what they owe the people that they presumably rule over." In other words, well, nations. In other words, as nations will buy these notes. And just to put them up in front of the faces of the United States de facto government to say, see, if you don't take care of your people, we have to come along and make sure that you do take care of your people 
we're we're putting this out to offset our trade deficit. Well, and let me ask you this: is um, is that process so uh, dealing with those public wealth rebate notes very much different uh, when you're talking about auctioning? Is it very much different than something that I found on the on the internet uh, called the RAB collection, R A A B collection, where they are selling uh, the April eight, April nineteenth, eighteen sixty one document that Abraham Lincoln used. It's called Lincoln commences the Civil War and orders the blockade of the Confederacy which effectively is an act of war against his own country, the act that significant uh, significant constitutional, military, and national implications. It had that. so And it's selling for a million dollars. And they've got a picture of it. It's a photograph. It's got a historical background. It's an authentic document. And it's, um, you know, it's an element of history. It's a fact. And they are, they're backing it. And... Um, and and it's it's got a value, street value. Yeah. Is that any different? Well, this uh, the note is different. It's much more fundamental than the, the, that other thing. The currency aspect of it is very much more fundamental than some, uh, auctioning off something that's a, uh, uh, tr- uh, what you say a trophy of history. Oh. But it still has its value. I mean, those those international auctions do occur. But in the money market, they have their own market. That's the Dutch auction is what they uh, auction off bonds with. The United States bonds are are uh, treated with the Dutch auction. It's okay. A, it's bidding downward from a top value. The the lowest bid wins the bid. That's the one that buys the debt note. So it's a standard operation. Purchase of debt notes is a standard operation of the uh, Dutch auction. And I think that confused me once before when you had said or I read that the lowest bidder is the one that gets it instead of the highest bidder. Can you explain that one? Yeah, well, you're selling a debt note. You're buying something to be collected. And so the lowest bidder is the one that, when they, when they they bid on the note, they bid on it based on how hard it's going to be for them to collect that note. They're debt collectors. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. And so they have to bid on the note if they want to collect that debt and make a profit off of it. If the note's $1 million and it bids the lowest bid is $10 million, then that's the value of the note that the notary commercial notary puts on the note after the bid. If the value of the note went up from a million to ten million dollars, let's say, but they have to bid off to the lowest bidder because the lowest, otherwise it's too much of a, uh, what would you say, the person's going to have to pay that bid off would complain if it was bid off and stopped at ten million when it could have been three million. Obviously, the person that the debt's going to be collected from is going to want to pay the lowest that they can, and that's why it's the lowest bid counts. It's different. If you if you have an object of value, you bid upward. If you have a value of debt, it's bid downward. Okay. All right, thank you. Lowest bidder wins. 
I think somebody else wanted to interject. I, I you you've given me all the answers that I've I've hoped to, and I, I beg everybody's pardon for taking so much of everybody's time. And everybody else, you have to understand, sir. Everybody out there is going to have to use this method to recover the balance of this nation. This is right. the, this is the language and the theory and the technical operation of money, and I don't care what they file in the courts if they they don't get a hold of the money system, they're shot down. It's all over with. And, when, and learning how to create a criminal complaint and a lien that follows it, and then uh, declaring a, a d default by putting currency on the street is the only way this is going to be straightened out. It may not seem right, uh, unless, you know, otherwise it's going to be a bloody revolution. There has yeah. to be a peaceful, commercial way of solving this problem or we're going to have bloodshed all over the street. Thank you, Arthur. I appreciate it. Yeah, can... This is Charles. I'd like to um, uh, kind of summarize here and maybe shift gears a little bit. Um, um, I, I think we lost Andrew and Shorty here, um, but um, uh, I, I would like to query Hartford a bit further. Uh, uh, I've got a, a server that I rent with plenty of web space, and um, I'm sharing that with David right now and, and others. And I've got your files on the, on the, our, our, our server also. Uh, to supplement your work, Hartford, but right. um, I, I'm particularly enchanted by uh, uh, your your earlier mentioning that um, um, uh, th there's there's ways with modern computers to 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 set up an online banking store or something like that. That's right, a currency store. I, I'd like to roll up my sleeves and and do what I can to make that a reality, Hartford. Well, start a currency store. If you've got the capacity to run the computers, I don't have that savvy. I haven't okay, well, studied it. But if you well, know how, would, go ahead. Um, I, I, I think uh, um, on our general domain of constitutionalgov.us, we might just set up a, a subpage called Treasury or Current Store, Currency Store, or uh, Bankers or something. Uh, keep it personal. Store or something. Be sure you keep it personal because if you keep it the name personal, you don't have to register it with a state. Notice my name, Hartford Van Dyke, Public Wealth Rebate Bank. Each person that these notes are given to puts their own name on the bank. That way they don't have to have a charter and they don't have to have a license from the state. Okay, well, at that point, we could probably have a different account for everybody that um, uh, wanted to participate in the process, right? Well, you can have an account under your bank, sure. And every, everybody that has some of this money that they've achieved, uh, obtained by a process of correcting public officials, you know, through the process of the criminal complaints and the liens and the default, all, any person that has gone through those steps can create a bank with their name on it. Okay. They, they have funds available. But did you see those are all public funds. I've started several banks. I've given a portion of what I have to each of them. And uh, what that does is it gives them a, a a capital asset to work with, it's up to them to, to take it from there, to, how to create currencies for local communities, explains how to do that. And uh, that money is available to them. If they run out of money, they could tap one of the other banks for money because it all belongs to the public. It's, it's one fund. It's a public fund. But each bank has the power to handle parts of it on their own, on the, on what, from whatever they've obtained given into that bank by their own products and their own processes and whatever has been donated to them by the other banks. 
And if one bank runs out of money, they can reach over to another bank and get some public funds to work with. It's public money. It's not owed by, owed by the bank, owned by the banks. Everything is taken in under the criminal process is owed to the public. And then the people that operate these banks have a right to obtain a certain amount of money for the uh, for the administration of the bank, the, the uh, manufacture of notes, the distribution of the notes, keeping the records for whatever has been done. They have a right to be paid for the administrative process for doing that. So, so um, I've, uh, I could probably set up... To, to start it out, I could probably set up a, a web page un, under the directory where I have all your other files, and we could start a, a, a model uh, 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 c currency store um, uh, within your directory for the currency that you're issuing to people. Would that work? Yeah, and you can also take some of that currency if you co create a community store where you are. You can have some of that money to work with. That sounds great. Um, um, if I if I uh, set up some some web pages like that, can I send you web links and email to them so you can kind of look them over and see if they look good? Sure. Sure. Okay. okay well, move. We need some 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 traction on the ground. We got people in jail. We we need to get out of the theoretical room. I think you said that in the last conference. Oh, yeah. We don't have forever. We've got time limits. We got to do some stuff to help the people here. That's right. Okay. Well, well I. Yeah. It, uh, if I might just ask, um, I, I you had you you know I I try to listen for red flags, and you had issued one when you said be careful, uh, you know that you uh, keep it private, and uh, I'm just wondering when. No, wait, when wait, whoa, whoa! I didn't say keep it private anywhere. Oh, oh okay. Uh, Everything's well, open and above board. Even my notes had my telephone numbers and addresses. There's not a matter of privacy. The key, even on my public wealth rebate note, currency says accountability with these, with these, these, these current. Listen, let me say this. Let me say this. If you create a currency store, you're going to have to have a set of books that sits right out on the counter where people can look at all this information and how the currency is flowing through the system. There is nothing private about this process at all. Anybody okay. who wants to know what's going on, they have a right to walk in the front door of the currency store and be able to peruse any account and any any transaction and know exactly where the money's going. Then if the state wants taxes, they can come down to the currency store and say, we think you owe us some money. And then the state's got to put up the proof that they are owed the money. See, that's the way taxation should be done. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, then I misunderstood there. Then, uh, my biggest concern was, if uh, you know, was the fact that that I think what what Charles intends to do is make it public. It's totally everybody is completely transparent of what's going on. And exactly. That's, that's what, yeah. Exactly. Good. It's good. All right. Well, that's that's cool. That's uh, it. It it certainly is nothing like that case scenario that I, I mentioned to you about the IOS uh, International Outsourcing Services with those coupons. Uh, they were acting as a clearinghouse themselves when you no. said that term. So, well, um, uh, the, the currency store is a clearinghouse, but it's a community clearinghouse. Everybody has access to the whole concept and every process of it. Everybody puts their notes in there available to, to the public. You know, it's it's an open field for any for the public to start expressing its value. Each person has a value, 
They have a right to express it on their own currency and be appreciated for it. And the currency store will bond the whole community together because everybody will know what everybody else is trying to do to accomplish and make a better city, a better city or community out of it. And besides, yeah. and besides that, the money stays in the community instead of some banker putting out an investment in some other state. The money that runs through that currency store belongs in the community and always is in the community and works for the community. It doesn't get shoveled out the door to some other place. Now, help me to understand uh, the uh, how all that uh, uh, currency uh, marketing uh, how that fits in with the the state the what's in the constitution about uh, you know entitling the states or the, not entitling the states or you know to coin money and um, you know which they've done before I believe at the state level and, and maybe North Dakota is the only one that's got a state bank at this time. You're talking like about that. you're talking about coinage, not contract. Coinage. Yeah, yeah, I mean... But everybody yeah, I, has the power to contract. That's the other method. If you, you have... Basically, it's all barter at the base of it. The whole uh -huh. system of economics is barter. The exchange of money, uh, the exchange in barter constitutes an exchange of energy and material particles, material things. That's what the barter is all about. But in order to close barter, you have to have one of two things, either an intrinsic object like gold and silver... Or you have to have something that has an intrinsic value, or you have to have a contract method of keeping track of who owes what. So currency is basically a barter tool. It's what's called a facilitator. It makes it possible to close barter, but it's all contract. That's what's wrong. The things wrong with your dig digital money these days is that when money goes back and forth between computers in the old, in the pre present system. There is no memo line that travels with it. There's no currency state, uh, no uh, contract statement. The memo line on a check is very important. Most people ignore it because they don't use it. But actually, currency done in this form has a memo line. It can only be used in a certain way, and the note itself has to describe that. So it's not, it's not, and it's not something that the con the Constitution is very much in support. It says uh, acts, records, and proceedings of one county to another have to be equal all over the United States. You understand? In other words, commerce, the, 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 these documents are documents of commerce. They're contract documents. Those are the two ways you have of closing a barter is either by an, an intrinsic object, like gold or silver, uh, an object of intrinsic value, or it's by contract, and the contract is called currency. You see your Federal Reserve notes today? They don't say anywhere, anywhere on them, must pay to the bearer on demand anymore, do you? They threw the contract phrase out, so the, now your Federal Reserve notes are nothing but monopoly money. That doesn't promise anything anymore. But uh, when you be, produce a note for a, a currency store, you have to promise some type of re, uh, re, redemption for it what type of service you'll offer, or what type of object is available. And, you, and your note that you create not only has a few of those things listed on it, but you also offer a catalog of things that you're willing to give in exchange for that note, to redeem that note. So you put in your address and your telephone number, 
so people can write to you for a catalog of other things because you can't write everything on the back of those notes sometimes that you want to put forward as redeemable value. You see what I mean? You right. might have well, you, might, you might have a car you you might have a car you want to offer, or a truck, or a, a wagon, or a bus, or whatever you want to offer. Well, as those, a, those can all be linked web pages on the, on a website. That's yeah. right. That, that's right. And that's what you do when you have a, a currency store. All of those options are under record because you put down whatever that person's got in their coupon book, and people check with that note and say, "Well, the note says it offers piano lessons." It's, ten dollars an hour but it also offers a coupon book and I, w- I went down there to the currency store i looked it up on my internet and that man's got a dozen things to offer to redeem that note but he only put out down the music lessons as one thing but he also offered the, the uh, catalog and the catalog number so all you got to do is pull it up on the internet to the local currency store and, and go to that man's site and it gives a list of all the things he has to redeem his notes on the street Cool. That's good. Right. That's that's a good system. Thank you. I appreciate that information, Hartford. Um, Charles, um, I know you got it with the recording, and uh, we're going to have to uh, work on that. Um, that I I like those ideas, and we we uh, we've got the facilities that we can do something there. I believe. David, I, I'm glad you flushed out Harvard's. Insights there. I've, I've thought about uh, doing things like what Harvard just described before, and I'm really glad that you prompted Hartford to go into those details. And I'm going to work up a rough draft of a front page document, and I'll send it to Hartford um, after I get it posted on the web page I've got set up for him, so that so that it can put on a face, a facade uh, that's truthful, that is um, uh, representing what type of um, uh, uh, financial resources Hartford has available to put into the economy. And once we get Hartford's page up, and Hartford approves of it, and it seems to be working good, basically, then we can broaden out and other people can start doing similar things, if that sounds good to everybody. Yeah. You don't have to advertise his mind because everybody's going to get involved in it, but however you want to do it, go for it, and I'll, I'll work with you. Excellent, Hartford. Excellent. I'll, I'll, I'll plan on doing that uh, tonight, if um, um, we're not uh, uh, totally exhausted, I do see Western Michigan called back in. I'd like to uh, draw out Western Michigan. I think that might be either um, Andrew or Charlotte. Um, um, uh, and 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 we have flushed out the banking system there pretty good. Can we go ahead and shift gears, sure. here, fellas? Over shift to, over. Uh, okay. Shift over. Thank. You. Yeah, okay. Um, uh, West Michigan, is that Andrew or uh, yes, Charlotte? Yes, it is. Andrew. Yep. Excellent, excellent. Glad you called back in. Uh, can Can you give us a summary of developments on your case here? Uh, well, um, the case I have, uh, of course, went um, south. He, the judge did the same thing he did the last three times, the last well, two times or three times he, I, I've been in court. So, um, What did you I, do? He just um, he took the uh, motion. He created it over the phone. Um, maybe I should explain it. I don't know how many people are up to speed of what happened actually. Um, when uh, Andrew, we got when, when was your last, with court? When was your last hearing? The last hearing was uh, June first. Um, uh, 
Okay, okay, so that's what you're summarizing here for us. Yeah, right, and and when I, we appeared in court, there was nobody, uh, the defendant wasn't there, the attorney never showed up, and we sat around for about 35 minutes, and finally the judge walked in, um, and I gave him um, all the issues of law that were violated, and he got to the point where um, he didn't want to hear any more about the violations, and he said to me, then, uh, if I, you know, say anything more, he's going to hold me in contempt. Hey, now I want to stop right there. Something, so, the way yeah. it's just, you got a key there, you don't want to miss this one. Well, that's it. The thing is, is um, <clears throat> what I've done, again, from that point on, is, is I've challenged the judge personally. No, wait, and wait, how have you challenged him personally? Sui juris, I'm just... I'm, no, you made a mistake. Well, as soon as soon as you have a situation in a courtroom like you just described, yeah, you have been denied due process of law. Oh, absolutely. That's sure. a that is a criminal offense under the under the Constitution and Title 18, sections 241 and 242. I you don't agree. you don't argue with the judge about that. You promptly file criminal charges against him with the federal government, with a with a statement of the the market fair market value of that the damages which could be hundreds of thousands of dollars, and right. you and you put that that criminal complaint into the hopper for processing from then that point okay. forward. You never That's argue right. with you never argue with a judge about that. As soon as they violate the due process law, as soon as they violate it, you use that as a simple a simple single issue. You do a single-issue criminal complaint, which is a very short and easy thing to do, and it locks up his action in the form of a criminal criminal complaint. And that lien in there then becomes the next thing. If they exercise selective prosecution, you immediately uh, go forward with the lien process. You become the prosecutor from that point. They have three, three months to answer that criminal complaint if you've done the box form type. They have to argue every box box it's checked. Okay. If they fail to do that, it goes into default. You have right. accounts receivable and you're off okay. and running. And that judge can, cannot get that lien off. Those judges okay. cannot remove those liens. Okay. That's, that's the evidence. Yeah, I'm going to be heading toward and I will, I'll have to talk to you more about that. Um, what I have initiated at this point is an agreement with the judge. Um, it, it, it's um, a uh, petition, uh, what is it called? A request for admissions. Uh, look, and, that's a request. Yeah, a request for admissions from the judge. And you don't need a request. Off. Listen, you you don't understand something. You're operating in the civil mode, aren't you? At this point, yeah. Don't. It's weak. When you're dealing with a public official, always operate in a criminal mode. Yeah, that would take that would take the initiative to go uh, make a criminal complaint out. Correct. And Correct. you don't use a request because a request is a is a weak way of approaching anything where somebody has violated your civil rights. You don't request something, you don't beg for something, you don't mo put in a motion or a petition. You put in a criminal complaint. You lay the dollar value on the table and you let them eat it. Okay. All right. Otherwise, you're just wasting your time because you're you're indicating to them that you're weak, that you've got to step before them, and you've got to beg for something. You're entitled to the due process of law under the Constitution. You don't have to beg for it. You already have it. He's the one violating the due process. Let him beg for mercy. 
Uh, I agree. Uh, that's where I was headed. That's where I'm headed toward. At that, I'm going to turn it into a criminal thing. What I attempted to do is is get a um, uh, response to him from him. Don't. As, okay. Well, it's, he's that's, already he's already given you the response. He said he yeah. was going to hold you in contempt of court. That's extortion. Yes, it is. You have yeah. you, you, you you've got to get a fix on these things. You see, that criminal complaint only takes 15 minutes to make up. Yeah. Well, if, hey, it's a, if, it's a, if it's a single issue and you know that form, you can put in the one paragraph statement of violation of due process of law and threat of imprisonment. If you, if you didn't back off from your own right to defend, that's something that can be said just that quick in one paragraph. Then you sure. check the boxes, you staple it together. You have a fair market value calculated off the boxes that goes at the bottom, and you file it with the U.S. Attorney's Office, and you serve it on the judge. Okay. Good. And it's over okay. with. It only takes it only takes a half an hour to do the whole process. It takes more time to drive it over there and file it. <laughs> hey, yep. uh, Andrew. Uh, yeah. This is Dave. How are yeah, you? I feel like good. Uh, um, you know, uh, in in following up, uh, in, in a little bit tongue in cheek to uh, how we uh, what we were talking about before, as far as having the. Uh, uh, the, the public wealth rebate store, the currency store, and, um, you know, providing services for, you know, uh, currency and things like that, you know, you're going to, I see value in, in whatever criminal claims you've got. And, uh, you know, I'd be, uh, I've been working with, um, with uh, Hartford's uh, constitutional citation. I, I, I took it the whole thing and, and went into Photoshop with it and I created new pristine looking pages uh that I can tailor myself and have printouts uh, that look really sharp and uh, I'd be I'd be happy to uh to provide a service for you if you want to give me a you know a, a little piece of the action there <laughs> Hey if you guys this is Donaldson if you want to make it even faster like I have a third I can act as third party server with over the email, I have a registered email service that I, I get 100 emails per month, and I can track and prove when it was delivered, and it comes with a report, and also I get the time and date, a separate email whenever they open it, and so this way, this is a very good way and of doing it fast to let them know you're serious. So yeah, let me know. I have this available right now, and I'm avail I'll offer it to you guys free of charge. Just let me know if you need it. Okay. Oh. I don't know. Um, there's, there's, you were talking about service uh, by this process. I'm going to tell you very – I don't know if you're aware of how you do service by mail. You see, usually if you send a document through the mail, you put it in an envelope, you put a certified sticker on it, it comes to the other end, you've got a green card, comes back to you and says you served it that way. That's not serving by mail, that's sending by mail. Because the document is separate from the envelope, and it's the envelope that actually gets a certified sticker. So the way right, I'm, so I'm sorry. Yeah. So the way you solve that problem is very simple. If you want to do service by mail, there's only one way to do it. And I'll demonstrate it by this process. Let's say you've got a document that you want to file, and that document is one page, one, one sheet, but it's got two sides. If you, if you trifold it, it produces six panels. It's three on the front and three on the back. 
Right. Now, if you take an eight and a half by 14 sheet and double fold it and double fold it again, it produces eight panels. You take the information off of the six panels of the eight and a half by 11, transfer them to eight and a half by 14, that leaves you two blank panels. And if you fold that document up in the right way, two blank pages will show on the outside. You seal it around the edges with tape. You say to cut along the line so to, to separate it out into a document. Now you've got your envelope and your document with one single continuous piece of paper. And when you put your certified sticker on the outside, you have certified both the envelope and the contents. And that's the only way you can serve by mail, and it works very well. Well, okay. let me ask you this. You, you can, there's also the notary process. The, the notary process where you get somebody that, that certifies. Uh, it still does notice. not have, you are still not de delivering to these people the certified document. You've got well, to post. I, what I do on my on my instrument, I put the certif uh, certified mail number at the uh, on the last page. They can claim that they never got the contents, but no, when you put it, in, but when you put it in, there you go. But when you put it they all in one, an affidavit, and they well, aren't willing to sign anything. They'd have to claim it under an affidavit, especially if you've got a notary, a presentment, a, a notary, somebody yep. authorized by the state to be a notary, has served something. Then, uh, if they if they've done that process for you and they they give you an, a sworn statement that says that they they did this, then they're going to have to come up with. They want to say that they didn't receive it. They're going to have to come up with an affidavit that matches that under common law, right? Yeah, that's exactly what I. That's what I do. Mine goes under an affidavit. That's and, fine. That's fine. I'm, so, not talking, I'm not knocking that. I'm saying for the average person that wants to serve through the United States mail, they have to have the document and the envelope, one continuous piece of paper. Then, the, then the postal man, postman becomes a process server who does not have to account for it because the green card comes back saying whether they did or didn't accept it. Okay, well, how about the green card when it gets... If you don't want to use U.S. Seven, mail, though, you can just use my service. It's going to the address C. Private. The, the, the Internet service, that sounds quite interesting. Uh, the, the, I'm not saying that this other method has to be used. I'm just saying that when you're doing it through the mail, this is a method of doing it and processing, serving a process through the mail. But there are other methods. There, there are other. There are other methods that are just fine. And I mean, one, absolutely, fine. Hartford. Thanks for the acknowledgement. And one quick uh, note to make: it would be that with the notary, you could go to your local notary, do your thing, and then make photocopies of it. You know, and then just basically digitally um, serve or send the information to whoever you wanted to, you know, to if you were whoever you were giving notice to, you well, know. Especially, uh, especially if yeah. the notary herself or her, himself is the one that sends it through you. In other words, if you let's say I wanted to help someone on the East Coast and I'm in the West Coast, like I could literally do it all as a third-party intervener from the West Coast via email. Yeah. You're you're a disinterested party. Right. Yeah, that works. So anyway, I just thought I'd add that little thing for those that only can know how to, only have the right. opportunity to go by postal but service. For criminal, for criminal, which is much easier than civil, you don't really, you're not required to do much service. You know, s sending 
Oh, uh, no, we've got to get into this one a little bit closer. In the first yeah. place, you do not serve a copy to somebody. Exactly. You provide them with what's called a complimentary copy because you do not have the right to take the place of a sheriff in that situation. But when you put it put it in their hands, a criminal complaint, you don't get, you see in in all of that's commercial, because the criminal process is the, is the federal and states commercial process, but it's supposed to be in behalf of the public. So, since it's that type that type of a process, um, oh, uh, uh, I was going to say, you put when you do the criminal complaint. You don't serve a criminal complaint. Only the sheriff serves criminal complaints. You don't serve exactly. a criminal complaint. You're giving them a copy of it because the only three processes in commercial law are uh, basically are affidavits, demands, and notices. Yep. And so you give them notice by giving them a complimentary copy of the criminal complaint so they know beforehand what's being going on. You don't force them to go down to the county recorder's office and look it up in order to have it. You want them to have instant access to whatever you're doing. Everybody gets everything is the basic word. Right. So you, it would be mostly for notice of intent to, you know, like you could let them know that you're going to file a, a criminal complaint. Right. And then, you, you know, and do it through email for quick response, you know, from them. So let me know if you guys need help, okay? And I'll be glad to help out. No problem. Email me. Okay. Yeah. yeah give, give them your address and phone number. Well, my email address is actually on my homepage for TalkShoe, if you guys go there. Yeah, but they have to know what the homepage is they have to go to. to what's your, what's okay, your address? Donaldson. Donaldson. What's that? Does Charles have that information? I don't know, Charles. This should Do be you? given out. Now, I want to explain something to you, another thing. There's been too much of this thing where people are just trading in uh, uh, Internet addresses. If they shut down the Internet, how are you ever going to get back with each other? You should always have in, available your own personal address as well as your e email address. In case somebody tries to mess with this Internet system in this country, you'll be able to get back to the people you want to be with or talk with. So always put your address, your home address, if you can, put it on your Internet site and your telephone number so you've got three methods of communication instead of only one questionable method of communicating. Right. right. I'm going to pay for a domain name and get some hosting going on for a website. But as, right, as of right now, it's, it's basically Facebook. Just go search for Donaldson on Facebook, Donaldson Flowtime. Oh, that's good. me. Donaldson Flowtime? Yeah, on Facebook. I do right, legal posts. I want to write that down. Donaldson, Donaldson Flowtime. Yeah, flow as in F-L-O-W and then T-I-M-E, both time, one word. Uh, Donaldson with an S-E-N or S-O-N? S-O-N. S-O-N. Yeah. Dot com, at, at or dot No, com. no, it's just, just go to, uh, just go to uh, Facebook. Facebook. Yeah, it's my, my site on Facebook, and I don't, actually don't have a website yet. But here's the thing, let's not focus too much on, on me. And we can connect with me. My, um, my phone number is 415 Yes. Two eight six. Two eight six. Two one four nine. Two one four nine. I have four one five two eight six four one no two one four nine. Right. So yeah. uh, now 
yeah, like I'm really been eager. I've really been eager to help out and use these emails because they've just been sitting there. And I guess this is a perfect opportunity because you guys here we are talking about it. That's excellent. Yeah, well, you you got to get your. It's like the guy that's got the auto shop in Gladstone, Oregon. There, mm-hmm. he says, if you don't come in, I can't save you any money. <laughs> right, you got to get in, get get in where you fit in. You got to get your ad out. Here's your chance to advertise what you're doing, and if you want to get involved, there's a sure way to do it. That's for sure. Good. Thanks for coming forward with it. Oh, you're welcome. And you know, this is kind of in in some ways. It's it's a little old kind of technology, even a couple years old, but still so new, you know, because a lot of people are not really familiar with, um, you know, e-service um, or, you know, e-sending. And, you know, a lot of courts actually have rules. And in, in the rules of court in California require, uh, a, after the initial pleadings, uh, that everything else be through the email, through the internet so that's one interesting fact that is interesting Don I I posted the link to your Facebook page in the talk she chat window Uh, you're on the board (laughs) thank you you're on the board now (laughs) all right Um, uh, I'd like to um, uh, uh, um, take an opportunity I see two people from Eastern Kentucky that have called in uh, go for it Probably focused on Sam's case here that we've talked about. Um, Go for so it. I'd like to invite them to to uh, uh, jump in here and identify themselves and and um, state their current concerns about um, uh, how how things are developing. Hello, Kentucky people. Yes. You blanked out there for a minute. Okay. Well, I didn't mean to. Um, the, Kentucky people, um, uh, can you say hi or what your uh, progress is with Sam's case? Uh, uh, before we do that, I just want to offer a reminder, Charles, in, in 12 minutes, uh, uh, fourth branch begins, and we have an invitation to transfer the show over there. Yeah, we'll be merging conferences. You'll be able to do that by a three-way conference, right, Dave? Yeah, Dave said he'd do a three-way thing there when we talked about it earlier. But people from Kentucky, would you like to um, say a bit about um, um, the the case with Sam there? Hi. Hi. Um, this is Rebecca. Um, actually, um, you know, this this week and next week is is really. Um, like the time when we're really hustling to kind of get things together. So um, it'll be a very busy time. I'm looking forward to it. This is when we'll try to, you know, maybe um, in our paperwork, do rallies and all kinds of stuff coming up, really kind of beginning Monday. So please keep us in your prayers. And um, I'm not sure if I mentioned this or not, but I just feel like with everything in me that, like, this is one of the most important things of my life to help save this man. Um, so um, it's kind of like we've been very, very busy, and it's kind of like the calm before the storm right now. So just just remember us and and um, come out and join us all who can. Be a part of it and get in there and 
get your hands dirty and help in any way that you can. So um, I guess that's about all. I'm going to make a suggestion, ma'am. Okay. I suggest that you put together a good legal flyer on this thing, a public legal notice, and put it in every mailbox down the rural route in your area so everybody that has a farm knows what's being done to Mr. Sam. Okay, okay, good idea. And you and you can do that. You can have a drive. You can drive the car and have a person put them out through the side window into the boxes, just like a mail delivery. But okay. to have, but when you put it out and no, as a public notice, you say this is you have right on it public legal notice. Postman may not remove from the box. Okay. So posted pursuant to 42 U.S.C. 1986 and 18 U.S.C. 4. That's 42. U.S. Code 1986 and Title 18, Section 4. You put that on a, uh, on a flyer or a legal notice, and you and put it in the boxes. They cannot. The post office cannot remove those from the boxes. They can't take them downtown and put a postage required stamp on it or anything. They but, have to leave it in the box because that box is owned by the farmer. Now, now, now let me add to that real quick. To complement what he's saying, if you want to make his process right there, those postings, those advertisements, turn into real powerful instruments, not just okay. that, not that it's not. Check this out. What you do is file a, claim, uh, a complaint at the local bar, at the state level, right, against the attorneys involved in prosecuting him. That's a good what, one. Okay, and then you put the reference number on the advertisement and put that out in the public so that everyone can okay. check out your complaint. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I like but that. You want to, but the thing you've got to remember about putting a legal, public legal notice in the mailbox, you can't put any advertising for any product in it on it. It's okay. strictly a public legal notice, and on that grounds alone, the, the post office has no right whatsoever to mess with it. Okay. Well, one thing in all of this, you all, is um, you all have heard the case and everything, but I am um, a person who has been placed by the sovereign hand of our Lord to meet these people and to look into their faces and to see the the pain and the hurt of all of this. So I guess, I you know, I kind of bring into this conversation the emotional side of this because they're hurt and they're wounded and so I carry this every day and, and I know there's stories like this all over America and there's different ones of us at different places who've been able to meet those people and so you know and they become real to us and they're real people and they're hurting and Americans I just keep saying America doesn't do this to its citizens but it does that's not who we are at our foundations and at our roots so um, I've cried very, very much over it. And, and so this is the time when, you know, with all my heart, I'm going to help. And I'm, I'm thankful, you know, and I'm hoping, you know, that anyone who's in trouble ever, that someone will come for you if ever you're in such trouble, you know, and many people don't care. And so we must care about our neighbor. These are our neighbors. You need to put that sort of thing in writing and put it with your public legal notice. Okay. Okay. Hey, call me. Call me also with an, and uh, get me fired up, and I'll. I mean, I, all I need is fire under my bottom to get okay. me moving. Okay. All right. Well, 
I, I love that because it doesn't seem like too many people care. Not too many, but I've told everybody, and there's a couple people who are reading the story because because I met them. So that's been that's been an adventure trying to tell everybody that I can that this is a good idea, and I'm going to get this done. So. Well, okay. you want to get this information in the hands of every rural farm around where he is. Yeah. They all need to know because what can happen to one can happen to all. Yes. This is not about just him. It's about the Constitution. It's about Americans. It's about all of us. It is. And yeah. that's something that one of my friends... Well, well let's do this. Let's, let's do this then. You call me, and what we'll do is we'll plan to... Um, uh, help have me help you make your complaint at the bar against uh, the you know the judge or the attorney. I'll help you, you know, with that so we can at least resolve that aspect okay. of it, and we can throw that in there for people that observe your flyer. I guess if you're going to do the advertisement, but still, even if you don't do the advertisement, you got to get this complaint in. I think, or else they're not going to take you seriously on any level. What complaint are we talking about? Well, I'm talking about a complaint against the prosecuting attorneys. Okay. It hasn't been Shorty. Glad you came back on, Shorty. Um, Shorty's yeah. basically in charge of Sam's case there, kind of sort of by default. Um, um, and, and so Shorty's great. If you, Don, if you can connect with Shorty on uh, how, how the case is coming together, that would be our primary focal point. Well, uh, I, I would agree with Charles in, in a roundabout way, but the thing of it is, is right now after reviewing some of the documentation that others have put into the uh, uh, put their effort into in this here case, they, uh, you know, their their perspective of what they need to do is based on what's being put out and not really addressing the real issue. The real issue is jurisdiction, and they don't have jurisdiction to do what they're doing, and the, and the laws are there to protect him. And there's uh, quite a bit of stuff that we're getting ready to do. There's a nine-page document that addresses all the issues that would make the whole case null and void. Now, the only way that they can continue to do what they're doing is down a long, cold steel barrel of a gun once this document is put in court. And they may very well do that. Well, did they actually give you jur- – hold on one second. Let me ask you a particular specific question. This is going to help us a lot, I think, okay. Shorty. Okay. We asked. I talked about this before also when it comes to the granting of the personal jurisdiction or the writing of it in the pleadings. Now there was a case case made against this farmer, right? Um, who by the state, so the prosecutors uh, filed it, right, or whatever, or the someone someone in the public filed a claim, right, or complaint. It was fair. Yeah. Okay. Fair. So what we need to look for in the pleadings is this, Charles. Check this out, you guys. Check for a jurisdictional statement in the pleadings. If it's not there, there's a defect right there. Jurisdictional statement, okay, mm-hmm. right. in the pleadings, in the pleadings, okay. In right. Now you can go back in and you can basically toll the, stat- toll the statute of limitations. Okay. We're talking about tolling the statute of limitations, which being, being running back the clock to 
you know, because you just found out about this. So you can run back the clock to the time where what they tried to apply, you know, whatever remedy they tried to get relief from. Okay. And say, nah, you can't do that because you didn't, you didn't have a, uh, you know, the, the jurisdictional statement according to the rules of criminal procedure, yada, 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 in the federal rules, but right here, you know. Okay. Criminal, criminal or federal procedure. Well, I mean, federal. we could talk about all this later if you want to, okay. but the idea okay. is that is that that everyone on the call gets kind of an under an understanding for I think whether or not uh, the prosecution actually followed the rules or did they break them. Well, I have one question, Mr. Shorty. Is there anyone other than me that has been assigned? to be the paper generator for what needs to be taken in order to make this go away. Is there anyone on this conference call been assigned besides me to be the paper generator to introduce a document that's going to make this go away, short of dealing with a long, cold steel barrel of a gun? Not that I know of, Shorty. What's that? I think you're the only one, Shorty, as far as I know. Okay. What's his question, and, Charles? I mean, I'm trying to get what he's saying. He's saying, is there no, there's nothing less than a gun that's going to solve the problem? Uh, he, he's asked, is no, anybody no, else? No. No. Here's what I'm saying. I have been assigned to this case. Okay? And so I'm the one that's generating the paper. That doesn't mean that I wouldn't uh, uh, take insight from another individual. But at the same time, if somebody else is trying to do something and submit it to him, and I don't get to see it, or the rest of the team doesn't get to see it, then how's that going to be beneficial? Or how's that going to help when we get ready to do this uh, three sticks of dynamite paperwork that we're getting ready to put in the court? Now, Absolutely. Okay, so the only thing that can stop what's due to happen because of my effort and uh, the consensus of others that are involved with me in this thing is a long, cold steel barrel of a gun. And they have them. Now, we are going to put in what we got to put in because we got to blow this apart. And that's that. You know, it, it's got it's to end. It can't continue to go the way that it's been going. And there's been a lot of people helping Samuel. And a lot of people have put together stuff. And there's been several individuals that says, if anyone else is going to get involved in this, then I'm out of here. And what kind of attitude is that? That's a no-good attitude. Now, you well, need to get, everyone needs to work together on this. And if yeah. everyone... That people have insights. In other words, if, if they have the ABCs, the one, two, threes, on a document that I can view, I'd be glad to view them. But otherwise, come Monday, I'm going to be boots on the ground, and I'm going to be down there, and I'm going to be filing these paperwork in the court. And it's going to upset a lot of people, especially the courts, because I'm taking action against them. Okay. Dude, we seriously need to call me, please, so we can talk off the call, and we can talk for an hour or two just, you know, about what you plan on doing, and then we'll just run it by what I've learned from my study, and we can bounce off ideas, you know? 
the document that I'm putting in the court is notice lack of territorial persona and subject matter jurisdiction of the United States District Court, Eastern District of Kentucky, Central Division. Everything that I'm doing, I have permission from his son to do. And he is counting on me and me personally to come up with something decent that's going to work in the court. And so after reviewing and studying the documents that have already been put in there, we found the errors, and now we're ready to make amends to what's going on. You know what? I'll be honest with you, man. Look, look just counterclaim, and that will be your, your, your challenge to jurisdiction. A lot of people think you need, you need to actually write down jurisdiction you know, some jurisdictional challenge on paper and say, hey, you don't have jurisdiction. When in fact, once you counterclaim with their criminal activities, then they have a direct challenge. You incorporate that case that they have into your claim, and now they can't move forward. They really have to address the criminal tr claims that you're making in your counterclaim. That's a tr direct challenge to the jurisdiction right there. Well, you could challenge jurisdiction anytime during the proceeding. Once jurisdiction has been challenged, then they I think they it's a cross-claim, yeah. Sorry. It's what? I think I was thinking about cross-claim, so go ahead. Well, anyway, once jurisdiction has been challenged, and it could be challenged any time in court, uh, generally, uh, had I got into it from the beginning, that would have been the first thing, and then it would have been pretty much a slam-dunk case. You know, well, that's the whole that's the whole thing there, uh, uh, Shorty. Is that you? You know, well, how are you planning on challenging jurisdiction? Let me ask you that. What do you think is the best way to challenge jurisdiction? If you had to pick one process, what would it be to challenge? Well, it's, it's multiple processes. You know, there's all kinds of codes and statutes that apply to this here, and we need to use them. It's all in the documentation mm -hmm. of what I'm getting ready to put. But see, over the phone on these conference calls, I I am not uh, I don't have the freedom to give out our uh, uh, slam dunk deals that we're getting ready to do because if I did that, there uh, it it could very well easily get back to them. You know, uh, nice. You don't, you don't telegraph. Nice. You don't telegraph your moves. That's well, what's up, Shorty. Well, that's the thing of it is. Is that uh, uh, back in the uh, late 90s, I was running with a group called the God Squad. And so one of the guys from the Christian radio station, uh, he had these trick tracks that we would hand out, and he stamped it, Hell Hates Tim and Al, the morning show, where to listen, what time to listen. And so we were doing crack houses in Red Light District, and so we showed up on location one night, and one of the guys says, we knew you were coming. We were listening to the radio station. And so that's what I'm saying. You know, right now I don't have privilege, uh, the privilege of giving out what I'm doing. I can tell you what I'm doing, but as far as uh, quoting a lot of stuff off this slam-dunk document all over the phone, it's not going to work on a conference call. That's right. Okay. So let me get this straight then. You oh, you wrote a document already that you're planning on putting in, and, you know, I, I, I've been reading and writing, I'm sorry, studying writing and analysis in the law for the past, like, six years, okay? 
And I I want to see what you're doing. I want to see this, you know, so that way we can put your best foot forward. And I want to be a part of helping you get your remedy. Well, right now, as far as I know, I'm the only one that, outside of what has already been done, have been have been assigned by his son to deal with this issue. And I have allowed a couple others uh, to work with me in order for this to happen. And so at this point, uh, time has been spent. We've looked at the documentation that's been put in there. We've come up with a remedy, and now we're ready to move forward on it. You know? That's fine, but you might need an editor to look at it and say, hey, look, okay, you don't need to give your opinion here, here, and here. It sh- maybe it should be organized a little differently. The information may be good, but the organization will not well, deliver not. your point. No, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's something here that's got to be uh, honored. This man has made arrangements with certain people. He doesn't know who is friend or foe at this point. He hasn't got time to find okay. out who, who's friend or foe. And so he has a responsibility to this man's son and others to do as he's doing, and he's he's calling the shots. And that's it. And he, he dare not tab, be telegraphing his moves to anybody on this on this website, I mean, on this conference call. And anybody on the outside right now should... Uh, uh, they should just uh, respect the fact that uh, he doesn't know who's friend or foe, and he has to keep it within the group he's got in order to keep some continuity in it. Well, you know, I think he doesn't know that... who's friend or foe, and these telephone conversations are not private. Don't right. ever think these telephone conversations are private. If he starts going along with any of these items, he's going to be telegraphing his moves. He has a responsibility to his client. <laughs> And to this man to do it, he sounds like he's got it, he's the best he knows how to do. And if, if it isn't quite the best and it needs some fine-tuning, it's not difficult to fine-tune these processes. He's, he's running the strategy. And, and right that's why you should call he, Donaldson to help me. Let me help you fine-tune your process. We'll do it quickly and efficiently. And, hey, you know what? I won't even charge you. It isn't a matter of charging. It has nothing to do with money anymore. Right. He's got he's got a, he's got a process that he's working on, and he can't afford to telegraph his moves to anybody, not even to me or anybody else. Well, I think I think what the fellow is trying to say is, I'd like to be a part of the coalition that's working on Samuel's case. And that's beautiful. Is, that's beautiful. He'd like to do it, but at the particular time and the conditions that exist here, it's it's if you've put this work in on it and it's. It's rational, and you do the best you can. If somebody wants to screw around with it, file criminal charges against them later. But right now, you should be able to work at what you're working on without any interference. If it's this close to the timeline, it's the wrong time to do these things otherwise. Well, here's the thing. If I can if I can verify that my suggestions are something that will That's help good. you. That's good. You can verify your suggestions are good. But as yeah, far as so, in, yeah. but as far as interposing yourself mm-hmm. in the midst of what they're doing in battle right now, that's something that they no, can't. They was, can't, they hear, can't uh, yeah, you have a good concern, Hartford. You're, I mean, you're totally justified in those in in feeling like you know it needs to be restricted atmosphere right now, you know, and it's on quarantine. I get that. So um, it's re- that's why I was just saying I'll help out from the outside, you know. Yeah, well, that's, that's good. And so my suggestion is is for you to pass on contact info 
with Charles, and I'll let Charles uh, delegate it to the right people, you know, and that's people that's in the coalition, you know, uh, that's that's working on this case. I just you know that, that I've, I've had plenty of time. I've been doing this stuff for 17 years, and I've had plenty of time to uh, to to get a full understanding of it. And the full understanding of it comes by the grace of God in everything that I do. And so with with what we've got established and we are getting ready to do something, we're about 90 to 96% there where we're going to be. There may be a little tweaking on it, but I guarantee you that once something of this magnitude gets presented in the court, the only thing that can stop it is a long, cold, steel barrel of a gun. You know, if they if they truly want to continue to do what they're doing once this is filed, they're going to have to do it under threat and arrest by firearms. This should this should relieve him from all that stuff. The ultimate goal is to make this go away. In order to do that, you have to apply law that's pertinent to the case, and that's already been established. What is the law? What is the law of the case? Because the plaintiff is the state, right? Uh, The plaintiff is the United States of America, which is a corporation. Well, it's okay. So, what does it say in the caption for the title of of the plaintiff? Does it say "United States of America versus yada yada"? Right. Okay. Well, that's that's totally wrong because there is no corporation known as United States of America. There may be one known as United States, but there is no United States of America. And that is a defect in their pleadings right there. Just from the beginning, you can challenge it. You can challenge what? Well, the, the fact is that I think everyone, I want to get some feedback on this. Charles, if you want to help me out on this. Uh, I do believe that the, the, to use the words United States of America in their criminal complaint against the, the gentleman who's, you know, is actually void it's it's actually it's wrong it's fa- false material that's not the actual legal name even of the plaintiff okay they've established what they've established mm-hmm. in other words they're coming as a corporation as a plaintiff but there's no united states of america corporation there's a united states but right, not a United States of America. No, it's the other way around. The United States is talking about the fifty states united. The term United States of America in all caps is talking about a corporation. Exactly. Now you see exactly where I'm, my point is. There's no okay, way so that United States point. of America can actually come. All fifty states can come against this gentleman for what he's doing. No way. They're not doing, they're not That's doing not common that. law. Yeah. Yeah, they're not doing that. Uh, here's I'd like to ask you a question. Yeah. Very simple question. What supposed branch or agency is coming after Sam? FDA. The FDA? Yes. Huh. 
Out of Title 21. Now, now, something you want to understand about the FDA. You want to get a food and drug, you want to get a copy of the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act immediately. Because the FDA is doing a lot of things that don't aren't consistent with what they're doing to Sam. For one thing, the FDA is not stopping the, uh, the what is the name of that um, big company that's putting uh, Monsanto. Monsanto. They are refusing to deal with Monsanto. They're refu- well deal with I should say deal against Monsanto. If the FDA is not ready to stop their that uh, our, that uh, thing, that, what is it? What's the name of that stuff that uh, they're using for herbicide? Roundup. Roundup. Mm-hmm. Glufosine. GMOs. Yeah. Okay, we're getting sidetracked. No, we're not getting sidetracked. There's two ways to curl, curl your enemy under your control. You either okay, sting them. Well, you, now listen, on. listen, listen to me a second. There's two primary methods of taking your enemy down. One's called to stink them, and the other is to sting them. You sting them with their laws, but you stink them with their reputation. And both of those methods work very good in hand in hand. They do a fine job. If the okay. FDA is not willing to make a stand against this uh, this. Um, Monsanto and what they're doing, they're poisoning all the food in the world with their method. Okay. Right. And if they're not willing and if they're not yeah. willing to take that in and make it a matter of public issue, they have no business picking on Sam. Okay, well I understand that. But well I you have to but you have to ma- but you have to make it an issue. Okay. It, it proves okay. that they're it proves they're two faced. They're hypocritical. And if they're going to operate in a two-faced well, manner, that's a fair—that's a fair challenge. I'm just telling you, that's one way to do it. If you're okay. going after—if you're going after CPS, you go after them on a different kind of grounds. If you that's go after right. the IRS, you go after them on a different kind of grounds for filing oh, notice. I under, you know, what is it that I don't understand? When a person cannot be trusted in that which is least, they cannot be trusted in that which is greater. That's in your own book, the Bible. Jesus okay. said it. Jesus said it himself. And all you've got to okay. prove is that the FDA is not can't be trusted with that which is least or even the greatest. They yeah, certainly can't yeah. be trusted with this situation. And so you have a way of challenging them in the court. Well, why aren't they stopping the misuse of this? Why is it the newspapers are all silenced? Why is it that the leading press is under control? Why is it yeah. that and the, you, you've got to add... None of that stuff helped me create and make this document in which we're using. Okay, well, I'm just I'm just pointing out to you that the people that are jumping on Mr. Well, I understand all that there. You know what I mean? You can speak truth, and that's good, okay? But speaking truth did not create this document. Well, that's fine. I'm not putting down your document at all. Okay. I'm just I'm but just saying what you need to do. When will I have an opportunity to discuss this without getting sidetracked? Okay, I won't sidetrack you. No, we can do is we can when you get your, before you submit your document, you have to somehow bond it together, right? So you'll have a bonded document. What do you mean bonded? When I'm saying when he submits his documents, I don't think he should staple it together. He needs to bond it literally. Bind like, it. Bind it. Not okay. bind it. Bond it. Bond. Bonded. A bonded document. That's right. Glue it together. Well, let me share something with you then. I've been doing this stuff for 17 years, dealing with the courts, 
and mainly in family court. And I've I've taken another view on all of this stuff in the last four years. And I've spent anywhere from three to five hours a day researching organic law, common law, and courts of record. Great. Okay, and now now it's time for me to step up to the plate. And a couple of cases came up, and one of them was Samuels. That's good. Now, now, do you want me to discuss a little bit about this, or do you want me to? Yeah. Yes, okay. please. Hey, you, by the way, you are a saint. <laughs> okay, but the thing of it is, is everyone else has got comments, and, and nothing has to do with what I've done or what's going to be done, you know? Yeah, but still don't telegraph your moves right now. Be careful of that. Yes, I agree. It's fine to talk about what you're doing, and I'm uh, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to say anything in contradiction to what you're doing. Absolutely not. I'm just telling you. Sometimes you have to hold to their people, these people's reputation, to the fire. Right. There's an attorney-client privilege, and that's a privacy protection. Even if you're acting as an attorney, in fact, and you're not like you don't have a bar license. I mean, under common no, law, there's a, who, who you got to have respect, right, for for the people's privacy, which is what the man is saying. I, right. I, you know, yeah. Yeah, so remain. There's no such thing as practice of law without a license. Well, there is actually, except there's there's two areas. Yes, sir. This is Mister, a multi-jurisdictional Mister, setup. Mister, about practice of law, every citizen on the street is practicing the law by being law-abiding, and that's the only one that counts. And if you try to try to prosecute them for practicing law because they're a law-abiding citizen, then they're then it's catch-22. If they're not licensed, they can't practice mm-hmm. law. So then now they have to go out and commit crimes in order to stay on the street, and then you arrest them because they commit the crimes. It's a two-faced system. There's no such thing as practice of law without a license. We all have to practice the law. I'm a non-union lawyer. I know the difference. I'm a non-union lawyer. I'm not a bar member, and I don't have any intention of being, because it's one of the most corrupt organizations in the world. Amen. He's on the right track, and he should stay on the track and get done what he has to do. Yeah, but he's got to also go backwards in time and basically stop them from um, entering the jurisdiction in by consent, because they don't have it in the pleadings. His basic general... His general appearance, right, actually yeah, yeah. works to give the jurisdiction. So if you don't go back and toll the statute of limitations, then you're going to be screwed. Statute you have limit, to the toll statute, the statute, the statute of limitations. The statute of limitations is an issue that will always take care of itself. Okay, there are, do you know there what tolling is? No, is? There, there is no statute, there's, no, there's no statute of limitations on fraud. And what there's no doing, statute of frauds in the civil law. There's no statute of limitations on fraud at any time, civil or criminal. Period. Uh, no, there are no, there are no, statu- <laughs> there are no statutes of limitation on crime. There's no statutes of limitation on dishonorable what? treatment of human beings. There's no statute of limitations on anything that's, connected with that's Sam. that's not up for debate right now. We're, we're, we're talking, I want to talk more about uh, Shorty's case, uh, the situation that's going on right with that. I don't know about you guys, but... So, yeah... Uh, what like what is the next step for you, sir? You have all these papers now. What are you he's, doing? He's going to use them. That's his next. You know, step. Oh no, Shorty! I'm asking can Shorty. I step, can I step in here, man? I think your conversation you're asking uh, regarding Shorty. I think that's 
requires a private conversation between you and Shorty because I I don't want uh, anything jeopardized That's right. by the paperwork that we're, we've put together already. That's right. And there's no reason to carry this beyond this. And if it's I'm sorry. Important, yeah, my bad. Talk, talk to Shorty uh, one more. I'm just, I'm excited. So I'm like, yeah, like, okay. Well, I, I do get excited and forgive me if I am probing for information. That's because I actually want to keep talking about it. But so what else is on the agenda then? I mean, let me, let me just add this to, to the conversation that, that I've been studying family law too recently. Okay. And for family law is a civil law feature. If you notice that the birth certificates actually contain both the mother and the father's name. They actually contain mostly the mother's maiden name, right? So that, that actually is a dead giveaway that the birth certificate is a civil law document, right? So when you contract in and use it, take the benefit, that actually creates a presumption of, you know, minimum contact, that they are actually going to protect the name, but also it is for their purposes, you know. Under common law, though, it, it would actually do, basically be for their purposes only. You see what I'm saying? Because common law is a document that restricts and binds the government from, from, and protects your guarantees. So the issue with the, the whole family law is that I think a lot of people – you know, uh, misunderstand that a farm is where the family lives. And the farm, the, you know, the family farm is not under the civil authority. It's under common law. So the only way to really, I believe, you know, like uh, get a real remedy is to really understand how to, how to place your oil and your water where you want it and be strategic about how you understand the different jurisdictions and where you are, what you are writing and how you are proceeding is going to be very crucial, big part of whether or not you have success or not. I, I've got a comment. Can you hear me? Yeah. Uh, who, who's talking, please? Uh, it's Eric. Eric? Go yeah. ahead, Eric. Go ahead, Eric. Uh, give me a second. Yeah. All right, here it is. Uh, United States of America Incorporated. It's a nonprofit Delaware Corporation. It was incorporated on 4-1989, and the file number is 219-3946. Is that, but, yeah, but is that the government? That's the United States of America Incorporated. Is that who's suing the guy, though? Is that who is suing him? Yes, all corporate uppercase name is a corporate. Come from Delaware, so you're so you're te- so you have to investigate where this person. I thought it was D.C. Now listen, listen. You go to go to like Google and search uh, Delaware mm-hmm. corporations, right? And it'll take you to a website where you can look up every Delaware corporation. And you hit search by file number. Then you enter into file number two one nine three nine four six, and That'll bring up all the information that you need. Yeah. Where the where the regi- who's a registered agent, all that kind of stuff. 
But here's the thing: you're failing to. It's a logical fallacy because there's no. It's not in D.C. First of all, you know, like Delaware. It doesn't matter. It, that doesn't matter. They can have it recorded <laughs> anywhere. They can have well, Delaware. Delaware was the first state. You have to have an act of Congress, right, for a corporation to be formed? Well, if you look that up and you find out that it was incorporated in 1789, on April 19th, 1789, you'll you'll realize it's got to be the same damn thing. Yeah, it is. It's interesting. I mean, I see your point. That is relevant, and we needs to be investigated. And I've actually, I've, I've seen it before. But I have nothing to say at this point because you kind of, you know, you brought up an Internet document that I cannot refute. It's there. But since me and you are kind of like outsiders, there's no way to verify the information. So we have to take it for face value with a grain of salt. And then know that if you go to your local law library and look up, you know, Delaware law or whatever, you're going to see they have their constitution and they have their state laws or whatever. And then, uh, you know, you'll see, well, wait a minute. There's no way that the, you know, uh, the United States government would be, uh, you know, incorporated, you know what I'm saying? As a company doing business out in the open like that, because first of all, that is not how the states get down. It's not, that's not how the states get down. That's not look at that's not the republic. Have, we don't have a republic government in place. We have a corporation in place. Right. The federal government's a corporation. Oh. Michigan is a corporation. It's all They run it like a corporation, right, sir? I now maybe I'm mistaken. A, no, is a corporation. That's what they are. And we the illusion is that's our government. It's not our government. It, we lost. We lost it way back when, uh, years ago. I see it. We lost it when they accepted the United States Constitution. They set aside the original constitutions and took on this, which is just got so much twisted language in it. It leaves the illusion that we do have a government, but it's it speaks in two languages. You've got an upper language and you got a lower language. We look at it certain ways because how we're taught in a public school system. And these guys have designed something that has two meanings to it, words that have two meanings. And we don't have the foggiest idea on what holds that system together. And what we're doing is using our, we're back swimming, backstroking, trying to catch up. These guys are geniuses, man. And I think half of it is just caused by our own, you know, our own impotent or our lack of um, any sort of knowledge that would be able to off, offset the, the corrupt, twisted language that we're faced with. The United States itself is a corporation. Michigan is a corporation. The township has board members, a corporate entity. Everything comes by by uh, either codes, ordinances, or, or statutes, all of which do not apply to the man. None, none, anything they write does not apply to the man. It only applies to legal entities, period. Now, the assumption is he's talking to me. 
And that's the issue we're going to have with with Samuel. It's the, the presumption that that instrument is actually talking to Samuel. It is no way can it be talking to Samuel, period. The we laws apply to Samuel. Yes, we are going in as a people, not as a citizen. We're going in as we're going in as an Article Three, excuse me, Article Four, Section Two, citizen with privileges and immunities. Yes, that's what we're doing. We're not going in as an Article Fourteenth uh, Amendment citizen, subject slave. Right. right. Now these guys wrote the Constitution. They gave themselves out. They know who they are. They are we, the people that have liberty. If you decide, if you understand what liberty means, how in the world can we say if we think we're a fourteenth, well, we act like a fourteenth amendment citizen that we have liberty? Check the definition of the word liberty. They designed that constitution for their own end to keep in a, for a common defense, in the de- defense of a commoner. We're the ones that are trying to play catch-up. Anyway, what Shorty and I have worked on uh, will pretty much pull the rug out of the whole system. It goes much deeper than what you might think. And beyond that, I can't say anymore. Oh, my God. I'm glad you're helping Glad uh, doing, I'm glad you're doing this for the man because he needs somebody to help him. Hold hey, on, You're sounding good, Andrew. Hey, Charles, are you are you in some? He said you sound good. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I was locked down for six years on IRS issues, and the first thing I figured, I, I realized that my father had me there for a reason, for a higher education, and I have not stopped studying. I've studied this stuff all the way back from 1994. And on, I haven't stopped studying it. There's so much out of out of view that um, when we think we know it all, I think you better step back a few paces and take another look. Because if we don't have the right rebut, when the lie, you know, is projected, we've got to be able to uh, turn that thing around and ask some questions. And we don't have to. We don't have to answer questions. We ask the questions. And the foundation of that whole premise, that whole facade, comes to us completely by presumption. It has nothing to do with the man. Yep. It has to do with a human. Humans. Yep. Humans are are uh, uh, called natural resources. No, excuse me, human resources. A human is a legal term. The H-U-E was a god from Gaul, ancient France, and that that god was called H-U-E, Hugh. And anyone who served that god were humans. I study ancient law. I study the ancient history, the origin of thoughts, and we're 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 just lost in a confusion. And actually, that's what's happened. Louis the Fourteenth said something to the effect that it is the king's duty to teach the servants or the slaves on how to think, so that they don't interfere with the king's agenda. And that's what we're caught with. 
We got disinformation, half information, and um, we're we're lost in the matrix under the power of Babel. Started way back with Nimrod. Confusion of the language. That's enough. Hmm. Anyway. Shorty can't say a whole lot more. I can't say any more, but what we're doing is we're we're getting to the root of the problem. By the way, what is your name? I would like to know. Andrew. Andrew. Good to know. Okay. Hey, Andrew, I've got to thank you for everything uh, you've done. Someone tell me what the original charge is, the guy with the horses. Hi, Roddy K. Hi, Mike. I think Shorty could help you out with that. Um, the the original charge in which case? Sam. Yeah, with the horses. Samuel, Samuel, please. Making salve. He makes an a natural salve. Yeah. An herbal salve. So he got brought into some administrative court. It's not even. I I, I begged it. So you're telling me that the federal courts are coming against him, but it's the FDA. Food and Drug yes. Administration. Say that's not even. They have their own little administrative courts, right? They know. They. I mean, that's one another major reason why they don't have jurisdiction. That's right. Well, look at look at. Food and Drug comes out of Title Twenty One. Yes. Title Twenty One is not positive law. That's right. It's not positive law, so it's an illusion. But some of these arguments, you guys need to focus on the single arguments that's going to get this guy out, though, this guy with the salve. And all these different issues are convoluting things. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's true. They're criminals. There's a lot of things that they're doing that are wrong. There's even void for vagueness that's happening. Are we going to bring that up as an issue to investigate? No, because it's going to drag things on. It's not going to get him out. Is he selling the product to the public? They already know what's going on. Yeah, that was what he got busted for, Roddy. And is he uh, regulated already before? Like, is he on the record as a uh, doing business as a farmer? Maybe. I mean, probably. I mean, that's on record. That's something they can probably discuss. I don't think so. I don't think so. He's on me. She was doing it with small communities of people, just kind of word of mouth stuff, I think. Yes. He didn't have a business license or anything. He was just doing it. They're Amish community. They just do it basically a barter process, I think. Well, what if perhaps he was open to the public or selling to the public, but, you know, the FDA has jurisdiction over certain. No, no, the the FDA is screwed. They're fucking up right now. Wait a minute. Hold on. No, no, no. No, no. The FDA only is, is come from an act of Congress. Acts of Congress are restricted to D.C. and territories. The presumption is is that it can encroach upon a man who actually stands under the Constitution of his uh, of um, Kentucky. This the illusion is is that the FDA has authority. Bull crap! I don't consent. I don't waive immunity from that court. But do you know why? Why, though? Why? 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 I'm looking at it. Yeah, why? Hold on, Roddy. The acts of Congress do not apply to to Kentucky. Period. Uh, 
may or may not be true, right? No, it is. No, no, listen. May or may not. I know better than that. They're part of the union, aren't they? It does not. You got, you got, uh, well, they certainly sure don't apply right. to some private person, that's for sure. And I think aren't the guy shorty... A private person is a corporation. No, no you're getting into some conspiracy stuff. They're Get away from that. No, listen, wake up, wake up. There's no conspiracy. What? Hey, Roddy, help me long. wake this guy up. That's no, you it have, is. You've been led it down is. the wrong path then, yo. I've had, listen, I've had, I've had my, the attorney here in a township use a case um, against me... Uh, the case was in relationship to an Indian tribe. And he said the case was concluded that you know, this Indian tribe, this person had to pay the property tax, even though it was under patent, because, not because it was on patent, but because the property was moved to a private person. Right. You and I are not private persons. A person is an aggregate of property. To, uh... Listen. A person is an aggregate of property. <laughs> I've lived I have for 20 person, years. but I am not the person of the state. Uh, that's I've funny. lived for 20 years to the same mess. And I'm okay, so you're not a legal person. person. Hold on, Roddy. If let me Donald, just get this on the record. Roddy, hold on. Hold record. on, Roddy. Roddy, Roddy. He's saying he's not a legal person. Don't you think that's funny? Go ahead. You're not <laughs> a legal Go. person. Hell yeah, I am. I'm a, I am legal. Damn right. I would you're like to, I would oh, like you're to, a lawful person. Wake up. I would like to take a different train of thought <laughs> if, I, if I could here. There is a difference. I'm, I'm a lawful deceived. person. There's a difference between a lawful person and a legal person. He's Absolutely. I receive and use the United States Postal Service, so in theory, I shouldn't be able to do that because they're restricted to D.C. and the territories. The the, the Washington, D.C. or the feds or the FDA can go anywhere their name is or their business license is used, in any state, city, in your backyard, anywhere that no, you sign up no, to be can't. part of that system, Only that's where they can go. No, 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 no. You go it's to common law trademark rules, sir. Wait a minute. Yes, Tile 28, 636, and Tile 28, 1604. And 1604 says I have a right not to waive immunity from the uh, United States District, yeah, the United States District Court, the courts. And uh, in 636, it says I have a right not to consent. And as such, without adverse substantive consequences. In other words, this is why I asked in the beginning: Does the farmer have some kind of nexus where he consented? Like, did he sign up to be a regulated entity, and now he's going to, trying to go in as a different? If any consent that he did that wasn't full knowledge of is is void. Any right. contract well, it, in place that uh, he didn't have full knowledge of is void. It, well, it's voidable. So here's a here's a new consciousness for you. Maybe just Roddy, maybe help co- convince him to think of it as voidable, not just void. Sir, I have a question. You were just talking. What is your name? Oh, I'm Donaldson. Donaldson. Yeah, you call me Jeremiah, if you want to. Are you the one that uh, uh, suggested that you go to the bar association? Yes. Roddy K. The post office. I'm a, I'm the one that suggests you go to the Supreme Court of the state and file a complaint. And is that, that actually, you? Is that you, Donaldson? I'm Donaldson talking right now. Okay, and I, I was just curious. I just yeah. like to know who's on these talk shows. Go ahead. No problem. The other person was I, I that just came in was I think Money Mike Five Thousand, and also Roddy K. But but, uh, but that's a that I was just merely explaining. That's a terrible. Uh, or an incorrect way to think about the FDA only has jurisdiction. No, it has jurisdiction wherever you granted jurisdiction. U.S. Postal that's Service right. has jurisdiction that's, at my backyard right. if I want. Roddy, is that even an issue, though? 
Yeah, we know about the consent jurisdiction. The thing we're right, like. And if that was the case, if the FDA only had jurisdiction on those certain territories, uh, these states signed up to be part of the union. And if it was in reverse, you would only have jurisdiction as a man on your property. You couldn't go out in the public and have any rights. Well, if if the guy's farm hasn't been assigned over or bought by the United States government, it's not a territory of the United States, and they don't have territorial jurisdiction. But don't you think when he sells his products pri- uh, I, I private have a, to I the have public, a... he grants jurisdiction? No, 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 no. 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 Uh, well, actually, hold on, hold on. Roddy brings up a good point because the Constitution grants Congress the authority to regulate for the general welfare of its citizens, and those uh, citizens can no. can be in any in any state. Yes. No. Oh, no. no. Wait a minute. Hold on a hold minute on. here. Hold on a minute. Every state is an individual nation. You know it. You know it. The United States government is an overseer, but it is not. A, it is not a substitute. Well, Just a second. I'm going to make a point here. Go ahead, Hartford. I've had to deal in situations like with the Internal Revenue Service. And this is a very interesting thing because they think they can go anywhere they want to, too. Right. Well, the Internal Revenue Service has a heading on their stationery. Have you ever looked at the heading of an IRS, IRS paperwork? It says Department of the Treasury, doesn't it? It doesn't say United States Department of the Treasury, and it doesn't say Department of the United States Treasury. It says Department of the Treasury. Right. The Department mm-hmm. of the Treasury is a, subor- is a subordinate corporation to Federal Reserve Corporation. We, we agree with you on that, sir, but it, it's granted jurisdiction by people that have been involved in the program. If you sign now, let, me, let me just take a word. Now, just, just a second, just a second. They're just an accounting uh, department. Just a second. We used to have notes in this country that said United States note. I know money. And now it says Federal Reserve note. It doesn't say United States note. In 1933, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, in conjunction with the Federal Reserve Corporation, called all the gold in, made it unlawful to own gold. That these now, are, these now, are just, a, just a second. Just, just, just a second. The Not reason they called just a second. The reason they called all. Yeah, the shut gold, up, Roddy. Shut the fuck up, Roddy. No, I'm just playing. I apologize. No ill intent. I'm just saying it's not going to work in court. Like, if that guy in Kentucky the, the, the reason money here in Oklahoma, the he re- has jurisdiction in Oklahoma. The reason they wanted the gold was because the Federal Reserve Corporation did not want to redeem any of its notes through the teller windows. They wanted to operate strictly on paper so they could inflate the currency to any degree they wanted to, and that's exactly what they did. But this is not a matter of reserve notes. This is a matter of jurisdiction. This is not a matter of jurisdiction. This is a matter of fraud. The Internal, Revenue Service, the, internal, the internal Revenue Service is not part of the United States government. Just a second. Rothschild made it very clear. 250 years ago, he says, give... Give me control of a nation's currency. Hey, Charles, I'm going to mute out, but we've heard this for 30 years, and it's not working. Hey, they're plastic nothing. No, it's ridiculous. That. We're going to go back to this. Rothschild made the comment, give me control of a nation's currency, and I care not who makes its laws. Are you still here on the, are you still on the radio here on the conference call? We're here, Hartford. 
Okay. Oh, yeah. I'm here. Okay. He made that comment. He's been the over, only sovereign in this world for 250 years. His family has because they have that attitude. The, the Federal Reserve Corporation is one of his creations downstream. In the same year it was established, the IRS was established, and also the Jewish Anti-Defamation League. So nobody would complain about the Federal Reserve Corporation. And they finally, they finally came into existence, and they finally put the United States note aside. They stole the value under the blue seal note and the green seal note, but they couldn't steal the value under the red seal note. So they buried all the tax information as best they could, because that belonged to the de jure government of the United States. John F. Kennedy tried to expose that with Executive Order 11110, and he started printing the red seal notes again. And the Federal Reserve Corporation did not want them on the street because they would have been competitive because they were backed by all the labor of the American people since 1933. That's the basics about money. And what it has to do with in this particular situation is the money should, the, the actual de facto government of the, the de facto government of the United States is the Federal Reserve Corporation, and all it's connected with. The Food and Drug Administration is just one of their methods of making a living. The Does that Reserve mean that uh, if uh, if they get if they had those red notes out there, then it, you know it was backed by the labor? That means it just gets rid of the banks altogether. I didn't understand what you say. Say it again. Well, you said it was back. The red notes were back. The red seal notes were backed by the by labor. That's so right. Does that mean does that mean the bank that that uh, that means that gets rid of the banks altogether with the Federal Reserve? Is it the United States note? The United States note, red seal note, was backed by labor. Right. And if you study the theory of economics, you know why there's three notes. If you, put it, if you put it in an analog computer and study the whole economy of the United States, the blue seal notes are represented by capacitors. The green seal notes are represented by resistors. And the red seal notes are represented by inductors. That is the mathematical theory of economics. It's built on that. And that can be proven, and there are very good articles on it. But the Federal Reserve Corporation could not lawfully spend labor notes because the labor notes could only be spent for lawful purposes and the de facto government had no intention whatsoever of being honorable. And so the situation is that was what Kennedy brought forward and they did not want it in competition with a Federal Reserve note. Now that's the basics with regard to banking. With regard to the Food and Drug Administration, the Food and Drug Administration was something that was created on the side they don't follow the law. They're there to protect industry and corporations who want to be engaged in food and drug. Correct. In 2015, the uh, Drug Administration paid the uh, FDA um, $97,605,000 to keep all natural remedies off of the market. I can believe it. Yes. You want to remember that at the turn of the century, 1900, one of the biggest pharmaceutical companies in this country was, what, what, do you remember the name of it? Not off the top of my head. 
Okay. Just a second. I've had, I've, I was about to say the name. Almost all of it was raw botanicals by one company that was dealing only in raw botanicals until the petroleum industry came forward and they started doing uh, substitute chemistry. Mm-hmm. Well, the name slips my mind, but there was one company entirely it was raw botanicals and they changed over. Oh, I can't remember that name myself. Yeah. Now, I had to deal with a situation in 1975 with the Food and Drug Administration. They were trying to close down a, an herbalist in the, in the city where I was, and I took that case on and ran the FDA off. I talked with Sandra Ekstrom, who was the head of the FDA in Seattle, Washington. She couldn't tell me whether water was a food or a drug. They make up the definitions as they go along of what shall be and what shall not be. They've tried to outlaw the presence of any herbs that are really good for man. Yes. There's a doctor by the name of Richard Schultz who has something out called the Top Ten Herbs. It's a fine study he's made, and he names it Top Ten Herbs. The reason herbs are superior to pharmaceutical drugs created by chemical process, the process that they usually use to make drugs is to isolate the active component and then patent it and put it on the market. The advantage of the natural food, uh, Park Davis was the name of that company. It just came into my mind. Park mm-hmm. Davis at the turn of the century was a, was a uh, company's pharmaceuticals that were strictly uh, natural. Then when they went over to the chemical industry type stuff, then they started creating chemicals that had bad side effects. When they tried to extract what they called the active ingredient from the herb, they destroyed the rest of the chemistry. The reason the herb is more natural and more capable of being used by the body is because when it existed in its original form, it was a living plant. And if the chemistry hadn't been balanced, it would have killed the plant. So the reason herbs are superior to petroleum chemistry type pharmaceuticals is because they carry along with them the necessary chemistry to balance the active ingredient. And the Food and Drug Administration has no interest whatsoever in promoting the health of this country. Its purpose is entirely different. Absolutely. So you want to, if you want to go back and study your history relative to the Food and Drug Administration, go clear back and study what Park Davis had to offer and the arguments that were used for herbal chemistry, herbal pharmaceuticals, before they went crazy with this petroleum stuff. What Sam is doing is good. He's using an herb. The herbs are a live plant when they're in their origin. The chemistry is balanced. This man, Richard Schultz, has put out his writings on the top ten herbs. It's very interesting to study his process. He's got a video out on it also. I have that information. And uh, when they make an, when they make what's called an extraction, they just take handfuls of the herbs, put it in a blender. If they want an extraction, they put water in with the herbs. If they want to make an, uh, a tincture, they put uh, forty what is it, eighty proof uh, vodka. They use it, which is forty percent alcohol. 
38 to 40% is correct. And that's right. And all they do, this Richard Schultz, he creates his own herbs for his treatment of people in his clinic. He takes the herbs that are necessary, and he uh, takes a big handful of them, throws them in a the blender, and grinds them up with 80-proof vodka, makes the extracts necessary, not extracts, but uh, tinctures that way, and uses water to make the extracts. And he says there is no special uh, chemical formula. And he says the only thing that can be is if the body is not tolerant of one of those herbs, a person will get sick. All they have to do is vomit the stuff up and they're safe. There's no danger to it. Yes. So so those are the things. uh, If you want some really solid stuff to help you along with regard to helping Sam get to works of Richard Schultz, S-C-H-U-L-Z. Richard Schultz. And I've got his material. I'll give you my number so that if you need to get back. Is this one of the people that's helping Sam? Am I talking with somebody that's helping Sam? Yes. Okay. My telephone number is 509-738-3000. I got your phone number. You call me and I will read you anything you want out of Schultz's books and I'll give you any information you need with regard to him. He's He's got uh, a pretty well uh, way of stating how herbs work that shows that they are not dangerous. If a, The worst that can happen to a person is the herbs will make them sick, and in that case, he recommends that they just uh, activate a vomit and dump it out of their stomachs. And there's nothing worse happens to them. They don't die from this stuff. The, yes. chemist, the chemistry of herbs is balanced. The chemistry of what they sell through these chemical, chemically made pharmaceuticals is not balanced. That's why they have to have all the contraindications. Mm-hmm. So uh, you're welcome to uh, any information I can give you about Schultz. You should st- check out these, uh, uh, what are these uh, big health, st- uh, big uh, bookstores? Mm-hmm. Uh, which, what is the name of the one that begins with B? Oh, Oh, Barnes and Noble. Check with Barnes and Noble. Barnes and Noble. Top Ten Herbs is the name of this man's writing, the Top Ten Herbs. Barnes and Noble should have some of his material. You should be able to look up Dr. Richard Schultz on the Internet and locate his videos. His videos are extremely good. I have a, a pair of his, his two videos, and you see him demonstrate all this stuff. He names the herbs, he explains what they're for, and he t- shows you right on video how to compose them, how to make them, how he does it, and he saved people's lives. A man, yes, can, we, uh, a man a what? We create herbs ourselves. We, we put them together ourselves. Yes. So... Uh, anyway, that's my suggestion is you uh, get a hold of his writings. And you can contact me if you need any further information on it. All right. Well, thank you much. Uh, I, I, it's kind of quiet in the background. Have they shifted over to the other program? Or, or are there other people on the show still or what? Is this conference call? Yeah, Hartford. Um, I think it's likely that David... Um, uh, um, um, Three-wayed us into the other conference seamlessly. There, maybe David might have a word to let us know what's going on. 
understand any of that. Is Donald, what's Donaldson's first name? Um, he goes by the handle Chat. Or chat? The, well, chat. The, well he, that, that, that's all he pretty much goes to, to by, although um, I believe he did say uh, Jeremiah or some name that started with a J. Jeremiah, um, Donald, yes. Jeremiah Donaldson. Something like that. You hear, Don? Um I think I muted him, and um, uh, and he hung up um, after he started using the F word there. Um, I didn't catch that, but I understand. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, how many people do you have on at this time? Well, there's about there's a good healthy ten people. There's at least a good eight or ten, eight or nine, and it, it, they have open phone lines. And there's a couple that are muted in the background, and oh, well, then we got just... another. Seven or so uh, listening through the chat window on TalkShoe. Okay. So now, who who was I just talking with? Marvin. Who? Marvin. Marvin. Yeah, Marvin. Oh, Marvin. Yeah. Are you You're working Sam's with Marvin? Marvin, are you working with Sam? Yes. That's good. Yes. I'm trying to figure out who's helping Sam. Marvin, aren't you Sam's son? No, no, no. I am. I live about oh an hour and a half to two hours north of that of him. Okay. Now, are you? Are, are do I understand the ones that are helping Sam are Shorty, Andrew, and you? Yes. Okay. I'm trying to get some picture of this. So if I get called on the phone, I know what camp I'm talking with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. If I can be of any help, give me a ring. Yeah, I, I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm I'm going to have to sign off here. All right, you have a good evening. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Hart. And I hope you're very successful what you're doing. Okay. I am. I think we will. We've got we've got some really good work, uh, papers in the works. Those you be, really you good. be very careful to not telegraph your moves to other people if you've got oh, something that's good. That's uh, that's what I've been really uh, pressing on Shorty and Andrew. We cannot broadcast this. We don't want to. We can't because there's who knows how many people's listening in here that uh, is just ready to run with it and you know, put it all. Well, it's just just like old Churchill said: "Loose lips sink ships." That's your, that's one hundred percent right. So you do the yep. best you can for them. If you get in trouble, we'll still be around. Right. Oh. You can call, and we'll see what we can do. Absolutely. That's wonderful. Okay. I got hey, thank go. you. Okay, okay, bye. All right, Hartford's hung up. Um, and I unmuted Don. Don, you got any special words you want to say here quickly before we open it up to everybody? I mean, I'll take some questions if anyone has any any questions. No, 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 no. I thought you ha- might have something that uh, uh, you wanted to discuss. No. With me I'm only, I, I, I like to contribute. Here. No, I like to contribute to the calls. That's my thing. Okay, okay. Well, I'll try to do it without dropping the F word or, or taking serious discussions off into Disneyland happiness, okay? Uh, you got it, man. All right. Uh, 
Excuse me one sec. I'll be right back. I'm just meeting some my my one of we'll my clients. Uh, you, I'll be right just, back. Mute your phone. We'll get along fine without you. Are there other people that would like to contribute to the discussion here a little bit? I'm Charles Stewart in Oregon. I host the call. Um, and I really get off. I enjoy it when the discussion gets energized, but it's mutually respectful. It's bouncing back and forth, and sometimes it gets right up to the edge, but everybody's basically maintaining mutual respect. Um, and we've got that intense, passionate energy going at the same time. At, at those points in the conference, I like to back off and, 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 and let the other people interact in, in nice, healthy, serious interaction. Um, but at the same time, um, there's balance, and people can get too energized. They can start dropping F-bombs and stuff like that, and I've got to draw the line somewhere. We, we, can't, we can't be like pigs in the mud, just, just throwing spaghetti at the walls just to see what can stick. Um, uh, th there's a phrase in, in Black's Law Dictionary definition of due process of law, or fair trial, I think it is. Um, it uses a phrase called, quote, judicial calm. Judicial calm has to be present in order for um, uh, a judicial proceeding to follow due process of law and to be within the parameters of a fair trial, mm -hmm. because that's the only environment in which people have time to see re use reason and logic. There has to be a calm atmosphere. People can't be feeling like they're threatened if they say or do the wrong thing. So why are you making the same feel time, so threatened all the time? You have to be on focus and you have to exclude people from being clouds and fucking everything up. So there's a balance there. You got to stay focused and on on the issues at hand because we got blood flowing in the streets and we got to stop it. We got a mission from God to bring justice to the people of this world. And so we got to be serious, but at the same time, we can't be so heated and fanatical that people are feeling threatened and panicky before they have the right to contemplate the wisdom of the reason and the logic involved in well-established principles of due process of law, a.k.a. common law. We should respect one another. Everyone has good points. Well, yes. Charles, can you go into I it don't real think quickly? The devil has good points. With all due respect there, Marvin, there, there are people that, are, that have embraced the devil, and, and, and uh, once, once I start getting the feeling that there's somebody that's snuck in among us, that, that, that don't have the holy justice of God at their heart and they're trying to muck up or search for God's holy justice, I'm sorry, I start getting yes. a little bit protective and, yes. and territorial. Yes. Thank you. Thank you all. I needed to express that. Don and I had a little bit of a disagreement in the chat window here in the background. I've got Don unmuted and... Um, um, mm -hmm. There's there's three people in the background here that are muted, uh, uh, included Roddy in East Kentucky and South Texas. You guys are all welcome to unmute yourselves, and um, um, I'm willing to open up the discussion even to Don here. Um, 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 but please let's let's just try to keep serious about the focus without without 
beaten, wallowing in the mud like a bunch of pigs or anything. So uh, I'll, uh, I'll release the microphone. Anybody wants to say anything about the discussion here, please go ahead and jump in. Charles, what what is your focus? So I so I know where my parameters are. My focus is bringing God's holy justice to the common people on this planet. That's pretty so wide. But but okay. I, I think I specified what it sounds like you're breaching a little bit of the issue that we got involved in in the chat window there, Don, and it, and we can do that as long as there's um, uh, no nobody competing for the phone here. The, the thing is that that we've only got so much time and energy on these precious calls, and 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 uh, I I think there are times when 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 you get. Too, a bit too much levity there, and and you begin enjoying yourself too much, and um 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 you be, you, you quit becoming serious. You start joking around and things, and and I, I'm sorry, we we no. have people's lives on the line. Mm -mm. Uh, there, there's other forums to go joke. I disagree. You know what? Heart. No, no. Huh. I'm saying I think it's important that we all. Yeah, it's serious, but we have a. You know, I'm sincere. No, I don't. No, I, I don't, Don. I, I am sincere with you. Dying. Yes, you do. Huh? You know that I'm very sincere no, when no, it comes no, to no, this no. legal knowledge. It's legal. Unless you quit telling me what I know. I know what I know. You don't know what I know. Okay, how about this? Let me suggest that you oh, could realize you could realize that I am sincere if you chose to. Yeah, I could, but I don't, and that's why I'm muting your ass right now. So... Can, uh, any of the adult, any people that can act like adults, the microphone's open here. But but I, I'm sorry, I, I've just kind of had it with Don. Uh, uh, <laughs> I get emotionally entangled. Um, well, you got a lot more. You got a lot more people than I did yesterday. That's for darn sure, Charles. Is that you, Mike? <laughs> hey, how you doing? All right. Are you one of the guests, or which one are you in the chat room there? Okay. I am uh, on the chat as Money Mike, and then I am in the call as South Texas. Oh, you're South Texas. Okay. Okay, Mike. Yeah. Uh, uh, then uh, just to be on the safe side, just to be on the safe side, uh, forgive me for trespassing in case I did anything wrong. Forgive me. <laughs> I just, you know. <laughs> I, I, I haven't seen any uh, uh, serious damage from you in this conference, Mike. Uh, you've been real good. Um, and generally yeah. speaking, uh, okay. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I try to control myself too. I usually mute myself as well. I try to control All right. myself. All right. I'll yield back now. Just be on the safe side. Okay. Well, you're welcome to jump in anytime you like. Mike, um, um, I see two folks from Kentucky that that um, are likely uh, concerned about Sam's case, and uh, Marvin's still on from Indiana. So I'm kind of thinking that it would be good as long as nobody's competing for the mic and has any real passion that they want to share with the group here. I'm going to go ahead and kind of give uh, just some little ad libs about my common law strategy of about what might be at least helpful to kind of supplement Shorty and Andrew and uh, uh, others that are trying to help Sam here. Um, um, I, I do like the way um, uh, Andrew and um, 
Um, I think Hartford were talking about the, the particular title in the U.S. Code that regulates the um, Food and Drug Administration there. But um, there, there are jurisdictional issues, like, like what Shorty and Andrew are, 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 are coming up with. And, um, um, uh, yeah, it, it's great having Shorty and Andrew out there on point helping the, the Yellow. Is anybody else? Yeah. Hi, everybody. Uh, sorry, my battery on my handset here went low. Um, Don, I see you got unmuted. How'd you do that? I didn't realize I was unmuted, but that's cool. Um, but I anyway, I was about to go into a rant about um, how to apply common law due process, more specifically, in support of Shorty here. You got any objection to that? No, you said you want to. Yeah, no, I want to talk about common law. I love it. Okay, well, why don't you do that after I go through my little rant here? Okay. Yeah, I want to talk about common law means I want to hear you. The same thing. I'm with, I'm with it. Let's do it. Okay, talking's different than listening. I hope you're geared to listen there. Cool. Uh, uh, with regard to Sam, sorry for my uh, loss of the phone line. Um, um, yeah, Shorty and Andrew, and it looks like Don's being involved in uh, helping out with Shorty's case there, which is great. I love seeing good people come together with good strategy like that. And um, uh, the jurisdictional arguments that um, Andrew and um, um, uh, Shorty are coming up with, I think they're good. I think Hartford was inclined to agree, even though Roddy and Don seem to um, uh, have a different perspective on that. But, but the important thing is that they're moving forward. And um, uh, that the people in charge of Sam's case are moving forward. And um, um, uh, 
Well, what's your issue about the common? What's your thing, uh, Charles? You were going to talk about your common law remedy, your concepts, your ideas that you've been coming up with for a common law remedy on some levels. Some I was working towards that. I was collecting my thoughts. You're not helping. Uh, I'll shut up. Go ahead. Sorry. Just choose your words carefully there, young scholar, please. Um, Don't tell other people what to do. I'm good, though. Go ahead. Do your thing. I'll tell anybody what I want when it's my conference, Don. Shorty and Andrew are moving forward with good process for Sam and and especially with people like me and Hartford and Don in the background helping Shorty and Andrew. Um, um, I think chances are really good that that we're going to get some meaningful remedy for uh, Sam there. I'm optimistic and and. Uh, like Don and others have expressed, there's enthusiasm going here. Some of us that have this in our blood, our lives are generally boring unless we're um, um, in the battle for God's holy justice. And it is only at that point that we start feeling alive. It's the adrenaline pumping. It's the debate. It's the intellectual razor-sharp debate. We just see in ancient common law times, courtrooms used to be places for nonviolent settlement of, of controversies. You checked your swords at the door and you and you come into the forum, the courtroom, and you settled it by logic and reason and searching for harmony with natural law and God's law and the laws of peace. You sought peace. You got real serious about how to maintain the peace. And that developed the common laws of trespass where you don't mess with uh, other people when you're in their forums, when you're on their land, that's related to the law of trespass. Other people have authority, have no authority on your property. This, this is a, a, a very significant distinction between what's called public law and private law. Public law is applies to everybody. It's universal law. It's basically the common law of trespass. But all the intellectual gurus, even on a national forum in the international court and thing, they got all kinds of different gobbledygook, and they gloss over the, the profound concepts involved in common law for bringing peace to the planet. See, there's an ongoing conspiracy against common law. Common law was only practiced amongst nations that were traditionally like Protestant, Protestant Christians of Northern Europe. That's where it came from. It didn't come from the laws of the Jews like Hartford advocates. I got respect for Hartford. He does a lot of good stuff. But, but that, that commercial process stuff is different than, than, than common law. Common law talks about who gets the sword. Who gets arrested? Who gets thrown in jail? What Hartford's doing is just talking about making people's lives uncomfortable by putting liens up against them and and maybe interfering with their cash flow. Now, common law reaches down deeper than that. Common law is due process of law. Due process of common law is the essence of criminal law, and that decides who goes to jail, who gets guns pointed at them. 
and that's bigger than Hartford's lawn. That's beautiful. Charles, that was beautifully put. I told, but I want you to try to, I mean, I'm not going to ask you to do anything, but I will say this. I see common law as having two distinct attributes. One of those applies in, in, to you and me as, as individuals, and I'm not talking legalese, right? And the other applies to the government, the civil side. There's a common law for both. They have their common law, which is the Constitution. It binds them. And the common law for you and me individually is contract. Uh, I do work better with people to bounce off of, Don, and for that purpose I, 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 I do find some merit in interacting with you. Uh, most of the other people here seem to be just more or less students watching what goes on, and, and that's cool. Um, and so you provide a good sounding board for me, at least when you don't exacerbate me. Um, and I do appreciate the left-handed comment compliment there. Um, but, um, um, there's no two halves of common law. It's a single system of law, but it, you, you, and, and the problem comes in with your misconceptualization of what government's all about. See, when you take apart that, do the surgery to dissect it down into its essential ingredients, you come to know the, the, the well-settled principles of law that when any government official acts outside of his constitutionally lawful authority, he does so at his own peril, at his, at his own criminal expense. And when people misuse the force of government uh, uh, outside of the parameters of the Constitution, then they are 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 liable criminally for their actions. And that for common, common law violations. Huh? I said for common law violations. Well, yeah, the people that break the violation, common, common I mean if they law. if they broke the constitution or that they're bound by, then there's a common law violation right there. I would phrase it differently. I don't give a damn about the so-called um, uh, U.S. Constitution document. That phrase "Constitution" was 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 basically hijacked. If you look up what the real term "constitutional law" phrase "constitutional law" means, it means organic law. That that phrase has been re referenced here earlier in the conference before. Organic law is the process of moving forward with an individual case. See, uh, legislative law is all legal fiction. It's not real law, and there's case law that affirms that. And and, no, and common no. law is criminal law. There, there, there's there, there's <laughs> the entirety of civil procedure is all legal fiction. Yeah, those should not Oh yeah. I mean, there's a fiction side. Who is is? I think that sounds like. Uh, I forget his name, but. What? Well, anyway, let him talk a little bit. Maybe he'll identify himself, Don. Sounds good. It's a you should not infringe on life, liberties, or property. Right? Uh, that sounds good. Uh, can you say who you are, sir? It's Marvin. Marvin, there we go. You're talking yeah. about the Constitution. Well, in the Constitution, it states those shall not infringe on life, liberties, or properties. Right on. Right? Yeah, yeah. But the important point to keep in mind there, Marvin, is is that 
your rights to life, liberty, and property predate the U.S. Constitution document. So it doesn't come through the Constitution document. The Constitution document merely reaffirms your natural right to life, liberty, and property. Yes. That is the Constitution of the Continental United States. Well, that's the document, but but now technically you got to keep it in mind that 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 you're you're looking to higher laws of God and the laws of nature here with your rights yes. to life, liberty, and property. That U.S. Yes. Constitution document, that's a document that created a civil government based on Roman law for the people of the United States of America. It's essentially a provisional government that's been provided for us. Yeah, but also the Constitution was uh, is not where, and it's declared it's not where our rights come from, but it's it holds the government in check that they have at least these that's written, it, and it states that it's not all our inalienable rights, but it it uh, but it clearly states where they cannot uh, violate and go too far into because. That they've got to operate within the constitutional, I'll call it constitutional law. Uh, you know, it's where where the government can got cannot go to us, and, and the constitution wasn't written for us; it was written for the government. Right. That's why it's common law, and that's exactly my point. The constitution, which binds the government, is the common law, and I think Charles, you and I will agree on that point. Well, if we do come to agreement, I dare suggest you're going to have to word your proposition a little bit more surgically precise there, Don. Uh, well, we don't have to speak any special language on this call. I'll decide what language we have to speak on this call, not you. Okay, so that's okay. What? Okay. Which, which one do you decide? Which? What do you want to speak? Which language? I, I, I want you to be quiet for a while. Okay. Thank you, Don. <clears throat> uh, still there, Marvin? Yeah. Go ahead, Alan. Right. Alan, finish up. Well, uh, is that all right, uh, Stuart? Uh, who's, who's talking, please? Uh, this is Alan Hall. Oh, hi, Alan. Uh, do you got a handle in the chat window? Are you a caller? Uh, no, I don't have the internet website up. I'm not sure what that is. Can you that? tell me what state you're from? Are you North Carolina or where? Yeah, I'm North Carolina. I'm North Carolina. Okay, you're a new caller. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, share with me what your thoughts are here, sir. Well, I just uh, I see I'm coming in a little bit late, but uh, I swore an oath to defend the Constitution. Uh, you know, against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and that's where we get perjury and treason from. Uh, but no, I don't agree that it's common law. But uh, but that, like I said, the the Constitution is where where our foundation, as far as holding the government accountable to these to the that framework. But um, uh, I've heard a lot of different uh, definitions using on common law. But I've looked up common law in Black's uh, Law Dictionary, and it and it talks about common law being um, uh, it, it goes back to more or less what we call court law, uh, or or uh, you know what they kind 
uh, operate of that don't exceed the Constitution, but it, it's just a network that they, you know, they work on. But um, the Constitution identifies uh, two two kinds of law, and one of them is what you call stat, statute law, and then it uses uh, equity. If you look up again that word in the Black's Legal uh, Dictionary, it, it identifies that as natural law. So uh, that's where the judges have to operate under those two laws, the statute law and the natural law. Uh, that would be the logical implication of the definition of common law, yes. Um, but the, 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 most of the modern judges uh, in, in the civil governments of our state and nation and counties do not operate within those parameters. You're, you're likely aware of that, right? Well, it's true, but that's why we've got to get them back, because that's what they swore to uphold is the Constitution. And that, again, is why I say that we, we've messed up and not held them accountable to it and charged them with treason and perjury, which, uh, the, again, the Black's uh, Dictionary says that's a high, uh, high treason law or, or a crime, and um, uh, and it's called a felony, and uh, there's another word that uh, I forgot which one it was in the Black's Law uh, Dictionary called it as well. But uh, they can't hold office. They can't hold courts of judicial. They can't, I mean, it, it exempts them from ever doing any kind of a job when they are charged with treason, which is also uh, formally written into the Constitution. But the common law in the Black's Dictionary actually says the body of law derived from judicial decisions rather than from statutes or uh, constitutions, case law, another name they call it, or stat statutionary law. So I've heard a lot of people talk about common law that sounds like they're actually talking about nat natural law which goes back to the Declaration of Independence where it talks about uh, nature's God, uh, I mean nature and nature's God. So nature is not talking about the animals, birds, and the bees. It's talking about the nature's law that you can't, I mean, uh, sodomy does not work with nature's law. Uh, neither does adultery or anything else. Uh, there's a standard there which also ties in with Jehovah um, Yahweh's law, because he, he clearly says, which biblical law, that sodomy and abortion and, uh, and adultery and all these other things are against his commandments, which is against the law. Um, and, uh, but that's where we got to hold all men accountable to that. Um, well, um, um, I. I Shorty is really big on, if you're acquainted with Shorty that's involved in Sam's case there maybe, uh, uh, is really big on the abortion issue also, uh, and um, uh, sodomy and homosexuality. Th things like that are, are so, uh, usually homosexuality anyway, is, is clearly a victimless crime because if it's two homosexual males and they want to do their stupid thing, you got no complaining party. See, they're both doing it by themselves, and and, and it may offend God. I, I do. I'm inclined to believe it does offend God, but 
you got no complaining party, you, you, you can't do anything under due process of law because you got no complaining party. Okay, uh, well, uh, one, uh, there's no question that uh, it offends the holy, righteous God because he's declared from Genesis to Revelation that it's a abomination. But if it's in the closet, two men uh, are committing sodomy, then, uh, yeah, I mean, I can't agree with you. Who's going to know? So how can they be held accountable that nobody knows? But when they are as they are today, uh, they're they're coming out. And if you give, if uh, if you take blood and they have given blood and it's not caught, they are injured parties. So uh, that's not entirely. I know what you're saying, and uh, I partly can agree to sort of what you're saying but there again like i said uh they they you want to prevent see the whole other issue of it is and like i said i declare to you that that it is a abomination in the sight of god and mankind uh but it you know with that being true which his word is true he also says that uh the nation allows these crimes against nature uh, that he's going to destroy that 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 civilization, and he did it for cities. He did it for to the world. He did it to to Rome. Rome was a big sodomy uh, um, country, and Rome is no more uh, for the most part. Uh, we got the Catholic Roman Church, but uh, but the the high empire of the Rome uh, is gone. It's it's destroyed. So, I mean, look at Houston. Look at all these other places, uh, 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 San Francisco. These are, are just uh, cursed uh, cities, and it's got a, uh, just a wickedness on it. Here we got a sodomite that's running, or is a mayor in uh, Houston, and she come against uh, um, uh, preachers and said that they can't preach a message against sodomy, and she's trying to. She tried several times to persecute them, and they had to turn in their uh, sermons, and so that it could be reviewed. Hey, uh, sorry, sorry about uh, button in, but we're we're gonna get off the phone. This is Samuel's son. We'll just we'll just listen in, and it's about our bedtime, so we're just gonna hang up and go through the house at the neighbor's phone. We're at the neighbor's phone. We just. So we're going to listen to the call. Well, I, I'm glad you could share Sam's son there. Um, um, and and I, I hope you picked up on some good things. I hope you got uh, your spirits rekindled with, when we were working with Shorty and Andrew there and talking yeah. about uh, uh, more uh, empowered legal strategy to help your dad get out of jail. Yeah. Are, you, are some of them coming, like uh, this next week or something? I, I believe Shorty was planning on driving down there with, uh, I think, Marvin in Indiana. I think Marvin's on the line here, too. Yeah, uh, what about Alan? Huh? What about Alan? Coyle, I think. Uh, I'll be there Monday. I see. Okay. Well, just wondering. Well, thanks. What you're all doing? Well, I better uh, hang well, up. Yeah, God be with you guys. So yeah, we'll... me too. I know. Um, but before Sam's son there um, uh, made his graceful exit, um, uh, refresh my memory, my friend. What was our discussion? 
Uh, well, Charles, I was just talking about the issue of sodomy. It goes straight to the Bible, and he's going to destroy America because we're allowing sodomy, sodomites to, to run rapid in the United States. And they're going okay, well, after uh, children. I, I got I got a concept in my mind as to how common law would be brought to bear to resolve that difficulty. If I might uh, take a brief moment to outline what my solution to the quandary is that you're outlining there. Is that good with you? Uh, well, it's your, your call there, Charles. Go ahead. All right. Well, see, um, in my mind... Well, well, it, 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 we we got to revert back to Exodus 18, which talks about how God's communities are supposed to be organized, because that's what real American law would be about if it wasn't for the Romanists bringing in their civil municipal jurisdictions and mucking everything up. That's what we should be doing. In fact, if you know about the Norman Conquest of 1066 A.D. in England, you'd, you'd know that that's when the Roman civil municipal jurisdiction came in and was mucking up the pure common law jurisdiction in, in England. Um, uh, what? Uh, no, that's not true. No way. That's not what I read. Fine. Done. That is not Shut what up. I read, dude. I'll, I'll, I'll let you talk later after All I'm right. done with my little rant. I'm sorry, okay? dude. Go ahead. Take a mm -hmm. note. The Norman Conquest of 1066 A.D. in England is when uh, Roman civil municipal law, as well as Hartford's commercial law, came into England. Before that, it was a pure common law nation, or fairly pure, maybe 90% or something. But they were carrying on basic with a pattern similar to what was listed in Exodus 18 with the hierarchy of, of communities, local communities, organized in communities of 10 households, 50 households, 100 households, and 1,000 households. Right there in Exodus 18, and it's re repeated in, in Deuteronomy 1, it's all Torah law, okay? Even the Jews recognize it as super law because it's part of those first five books of the Bible. Um, so there's a hierarchy there where you have smaller self-governing communities, and 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 the 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 king of the nation Moses or or anybody else doesn't need to get involved unless the cases are passed up to the higher jurisdictions, and 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 if 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 it's passed all, all the way on up, then Moses or whoever the king uh, uh, monarch of of the uh, Israelite community. Um, um, uh, needs to get involved. Um, but from there, um, uh, to address the homosexuality issue, uh, uh, I think because that's basically a victimless crime, our, our, our communities of people need to start at, at the 10 household level in particular geographical jurisdictions. And they can say, no, they could put up a sign. No homosexuals are allowed in this particular township jurisdiction, and um, uh, um, and then other townships could do that next to them. And if they get enough townships together, they 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 go to the hundred court level with a hundred households that the whole um, precinct would do it. But conversely, communities of homosexuals would probably start their own little. Uh, uh, townships of homosexuals 
off in the other side of the state or in the big cities. They seem to be more in the city than in the country. Um, um, so, so, but but they would have the right under God's grace, temporary, uh, uh, to organize their own communities on an equal footing with the people that don't allow um, um, homosexuality in their communities. See, at that point, we get we, we get a form of segregation, but it's it, it's in such small communities that everybody's happy. No, nobody has the right to go in and muck up anybody else's community with their own religious beliefs. See, these homosexuals got their own perverted uh, religious belief that they got the right to be homosexuals. And, and God's judgment will come one way or the other on the whole matter. Um, and, and, and most Christians... Are, are including myself, are fairly confident that that judgment is going to be negative towards the homosexuals. But we're not shoving it in our faces right now, because right now we got bigger fish to fry. Right now the whole nation is going down the tubes, and we need to build a broad-based coalition to take this nation back. Okay, and we can't be arguing about rinky-dink little stuff like homosexuality and abortion when we got people like Sam in jail for just trying to sell a salve that's that's curing people's cancer. Those are prioritized issues. Homosexuality and abortion are way low on the scale of God's concerns, I do believe. Uh, can I come back with you there, Charles? Yeah, yeah, feedback's welcome. Yeah, and, and then I want to come in after him, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah, but who's before Don there? This is Alan. Alan, okay, Alan, yeah, go ahead. You got the floor, Alan. Okay. Um, well, uh, I heard, you know, what you said, but, uh, you know, we, we the the basis that we have to really come back to agree to is the Holy Word of God, and and like I said, it it clearly identifies. And I can read you passage after passage after passage of scriptures, and I was intended to be at a sodomite event tomorrow, but uh, other things changed my direction. But uh, which I do go to them regularly and preach to these uh, these depraved, perverted, demonic uh, people. Um, but I, I, I just have to declare to you, Charles, the, the issue why Samuel is where he's at is because that we have not made what is preeminent uh, to, to, uh, for God to be preeminent to us. And I have to disagree uh, with what you said, that again, that abortion and sodomy is the reason why we are where we are, uh, because we've allowed it. And going back to Second Chronicles seven fourteen, he said, if his people would repent of their sins, then uh, and by humbling ourselves and agreeing with what he said with his word, and what what he says is wrong is wrong, and what he says is right is right. He said he would heal our land. So if we repent, then we would be in right condition with him. Tori said the righteous uh, are bold as a lion, and where the evil will run when no man pursueth. So 
if if we are righteous before the Almighty because we are obeying his commandments and following his law, then we will not have a concern of dying for standing up for him so that uh, he gets involved in our lives as an example of the three young Hebrew men who who defied the king's law and and chose death. But but there again, uh, Jehovah jumped in and, and went in the fire with them and protected them, such as he did for Daniel in the mouth of the lions. Uh, so, you know, that's where a righteous man uh, stands. Regardless of what may end up happening, he realizes that God is able to to save, to protect, to do whatever, but if he chooses not, we've got uh, more glory in heaven because we have a greater reward, but we yet we know that he can if he chooses to deliver. Uh, and if we wiped out sodomy and, and, and even on sodomy, the books, laws on the books of the U.S. Code, uh, uh, even by the, even the Constitution, were we talk, used this early talking about life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. We're talking about life. Uh, and a baby is a human being uh, even more so than an eagle's egg. Uh, but even today, they will prosecute with a felony charge if you destroy the eagle's egg, and sort of rightly so, I would agree with. But yet, we can kill a uh, more than an egg, a, a human being in the life of a mother, uh, and say, well, that's okay because of unconstitutional judges who said it's the right of a mother, and a dad has no say-so in that, so the mother can just go and kill the baby. So, again, what I'll finish up with in summary is that if we went back and stopped sodomy and, and abortion according to the laws of the Word of God, the na- and nature's law, uh, law uh, because of what nature's God says, and even what's on the Constitution and in the Declaration of Independence and on the law books still yet uh, in America, in states and the country, then we would be blessed and not cursed. Uh, what, what law are you referring to when you said the mother can do this and the father can't do that? What What law was that? The judges said that. Yeah, the judges said that, and the, and the women prayed and say, it's my body, I can do with Where, it what I want. Can, can you refer to the uh, court case you're talking about? Well, uh, that goes back 43 years ago, uh, Roe versus Wade. Oh, uh, thank you. I've read that I've read that very carefully, and it had nothing to do with abortion. It had to do with privacy and government staying out of your business. Well, that spelled out all about abortion. I don't. Uh, it's kind of what you said, but it was all about abortion. Have you, have you actually read it? Uh, part of the yellow news and the fake news is to tell you that's what it was about. No, that's what the woman went in for. But the case was actually about privacy. The government has no business in your private life. That's what the court. Well, that's what the case was about. Murder. Uh, so, and that's what they're doing. But, uh, but the whole point of that is the judge cannot. Over, cannot make a law. They have common law, which is not a law that exceeds, supersedes natural law or the Constitution. But yeah, the can... common law is private. Uh, according to the statutes and the, the public law, uh, they were just saying we we can't interfere with the private private man or woman. You know, it's out of our hands. 
Well, I'm sorry. That's not true because, uh, like I said, if, if somebody Sir, beat you up in your own yard. Instead of believing what your preacher told you, Roe versus Wade, the court case is very clear. It's about government intrusion. Okay. All right, Charles, I'll yield it back to you or whoever else is here is. Yeah, Roe v. Wade is not about abortion. It's about uh, privacy. Actually, that's true. Um, <laughs> Donaldson here. Uh, just chiming in for a quick um, confirmation on Roe versus Wade, but I don't, you know, you don't know whether what I'm saying is true or not because you never researched it yourself, so don't worry about it. But obviously on the common law tip, I mean, any type of court decision can be trumped by statute or constitutional provision. So when you're talking about case law, you've got to remember that statutes and constitutions trump case law every single time. Uh, have you read Dicey Donaldson? Yes. That, about Trump? that sounds familiar, actually. That's uh, uh, Dicey, a, a British scholar, I think, 1800s. Uh, he's, he relayed a passage about how um, the courts are the ultimate arbitrators of the Constitution, and they can declare, the courts can declare statutes null and void, but the Legislative Assembly cannot declare case law null and void. Isn't that a common law in and of itself, though? Well, that's uh, the thing about it is that you're right, Charles. The courts are allowed to interpret law, but that doesn't create the law. The legislature has a duty to actually re go back and reenact the, 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 a, a revamped version of whatever it is that was proved unlawful. You know. Okay. Well, and, if you would spend, if I might interact a bit, if yeah. you would spend a little bit more time meditating. On, on my proposition that there was a really pure form of common law back before the Norman Conquest of 1066 A.D., you would you would comprehend that we would do just fine without purely legislative assemblies, that assemblies that come together should be open forums for following due process of law and assembling juries and trying cases. And that's all that any good human society needs. We don't need legal fiction legislative assemblies enacting statutes and then telling the courts what to do and the courts exercising all kinds of injustice because the legislative assembly has enacted some stupid statute. Okay, so Charles, how, how, how is your position a founded position when you and I both know, and everyone on this call also knows, that a lot of the common law has been put to statute? You're saying there's something wrong with statutes, but you're going to find common law within the statutes. Your last sentence there is correct. Uh, we do find common law within statutes. But that does not detract from the superiority of common law. But we're not. Yeah, no, no one. Okay, but you're still. The thing about it is that there's two styles of common law, and if we no, came no, no, to no, that, no, there's only one style of common law, Don. Not true. I've told no. you about this before. You don't listen. You're too busy talking. Wait a minute. Listening. You can I mute me, but I mean. Law. Hey, Donaldson, aren't you? What? Common law. What? Ben. 
Aren't you glad common law has been simplified in the statutes? Because based upon this call, if we didn't have statutes to make it simple and agreeable and simple, Dude. they'd be putting right. on your mailbox. They'd be pitchforks burning you at the stake. They'd be leaning you up. You know, what the hell's going on? Well, I mean, to some degree, I'm happy that it's been put to statute because I understand that I no longer need to separate the oil from the water. But instead, I can look at the whole thing together as a multi-jurisdictional platform and operate from that level of thinking. I agree. And according to this call, if they operated the common law, man, we're talking, they'd find the scripture in Hosea, Leviticus. The Koran. I mean, you wouldn't know where, where they were coming from. Uh oh. That's most That's called the baby the there. Right there. Okay, it looks like the baby's done hollering. Uh, uh, Was that Roddy K doing that? I don't know. Um, crazy because he's now gone but i mean i charles like this whole concept of of common law being god's law now that that's so great because i understand how jesus right totally flies in the face of everything the, that the catholic church had is it, 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 it stands for like all all of the roman um um uh uh conquering throughout history has been you, you know, utilizing a fake Christendom, you know, and so uh, by by kind of by by upholding this these Christ ideals, it it actually f- flies in the face of the Catholic Church because what they've done through because because Catholicism was actually a part of the Roman law, like. Right now we have separation of church and state, but, and that can even be debated, but back in the day, the Roman law was also intermixed with Catholicism. I mean, there was like, I think it was probably the 1200s or 1300s when Henry II came around and actually infused Roman Catholic created this whole Roman Catholicism thing. But with with regard to the Norman invasion um, and, and common law, it's my understanding that the Norms literally brought the English style of common law to those, you know, to that island. So it's kind of for me important to remember that that the common law that existed before the common law of England which was brought by the norms right was commerce commercial law that had existed thousands of years before the norman invasion had had been already in, at play and it's very, very, see, the problem, this is why con, there's a conflict of interest when it comes to uh, this, what, what's going on here in this country is because you have this common law versus civil law conflict going on, where, whereby common law is coming up to, 
butting heads with tradition that's been around for thousands of years that existed way longer than, 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 than this traditional common law. So I'm speaking traditionally of the common law of England, but then when I'm speaking of maritime law, that dates back thousands of years before the Normans, you know. The Normans know about maritime law. They brought it. That's why they brought the common law of England uh, into fruition was because it was different from maritime law. Uh, I believe um, common law predates, well, it's at least equally as old with at least equally as deep and rich of a history as maritime law. Hey, Charles, I apologize for interrupting. Uh, What's your comment on common law? Is is it like is it like a majority rule uh, in your definition of common? Because when I hear the word common, um, in other words, a bunch of people would have to uh, recognize or, or you know, do you see where I'm getting at? Versus, is this my- versus, yeah, versus, yeah, this is money, Mike. Versus, uh, say, versus, say, like um, Carl's method of uh, self-governing. You know, see where uh, I'm getting yeah. at? Carl, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, yeah I apologize for using. I apologize for using that law. curse word on your show. I apologize, but well, well, <laughs> but, <laughs> Carl has redeeming virtues. I, I, I like to try to yeah, look at the good yeah. side of people, even when yeah. they frustrate me, like Don does sometimes. I like to be forgiving. I like to think that God is a forgiving person, and I have a few sins, and maybe if if I forgive people around me, maybe yeah. God will forgive yeah. me. For I me. myself don't like to use God in the equation at all. I just like to just, you know, just, see, you know, like, uh, you know, man or whatever, or wh- wh- whoever we well, are. I, I appreciate that, and I, I can work with that, but, but when it comes down time to to uh, uh, point guns at people or have guns pointed yeah. at you, it's nice to it's about numbers, isn't whether it? or not you really believe God's on your side. Yeah, it's about numbers, isn't it? Or just, you know, number of people versus... Well, it's a numbers issue. Versus... It's a valid issue. And and, and, okay. and this is part of where I dif- disagree with Mr. Lentz, uh, Carl Lentz, is, is, is Carl is saying that, that anything that any community adopts is common law. Well, that, that that's a formula for right. anarchy. And, and <laughs> common is. law is not about... Huh? Oh, my God, Charles, this is probably the first point that we solidly agree on. Hell, yeah, that's a... I told I I'm with you on that. If you do that, you can set up a state within another state, and that's ridiculous. That's what a county is. A county is a political yeah. subdivision of the state. Yeah. The sovereignty yeah. descends from the state to the counties, to the precincts, to the townships, to yeah. the households. And, and exactly what you're saying is that through Carl's method, what 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 is possible is you could literally have Sharia law communities set up under the common law of this country. <laughs> Saying, hey, look, we're, we're, if, if yeah. they follow due process of law, they, they assemble unanimous 12-person juries, and they, uh, they, 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 they follow principles of mens rea, corpus delecti, and actus reus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, we, if they want to call That's that real law, if they can operate within those parameters. See, the rules of the common law, a.k.a. due process of law, are very broad and accommodating. That's why uh, even homosexuals and abortionists and Muslims, everybody can do it, just so long as they don't trespass on other people's space. Or harm anyone, yeah. yeah. That, that's the essence of harming people, is trespassing into their space. Right. And a key ingredient there is is 
the, the jury trial process. Due process of law requires a unanimous 12-person jury. Oh. It's really important to understand that common law does not allow for dissenting opinions. You're either within the parameter of the law or you're outside. Right. And now, outside, oh, Charles, let's, let me ask you a question. That's the essence of the qualified elector status. Either you abide within the broad uh, libertarian, the definition of the word liberty that came up earlier. Liberty is a very broad word. Lots of room for lots of perversions, and I'm inclined to believe God in this present day might even allow homosexuality and abortion within those broad parameters because we need to lay the outer parameters of the stakes of where we're drawing the line where we're really not going to tolerate anything whatsoever beyond those parameters. And if you set those parameters really broad to where you tolerate homosexuality and abortion and other things like that and Muslims, then 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 you can be nasty about the people that are trespassing against the law, like the people that are wrongfully railroading Sam into jail and the other people that are committing acts of violence under color of law, under legal fiction law. Then we can get nasty about the real problems, and then we can worry about the homosexuals and the abortionists and the Muslims later on down the line. Jury trial requires unanimous. Carl Lentz don't get that. You got to have a unanimous verdict for it to follow due process of law under common law. And before we start worrying about the immigrants in the sanctuary cities, what we should do is focus on um, recognizing the sovereignty of the fucking people, the men and women that are there on the land first. Before we sit here and try to recognize the sovereignty of of people that yeah. you know have, weren't even born on this land, but they claim to be, you know having a right to be here. I mean, I'm actually... Granted, there are... Charles. Sorry. Thank you, Charles, for letting me speak. There are also times where uh, um, Carl talked about, uh, you know, talked about, you know, wanting to have a jury trial. But uh, I forget which which, uh, case it was, but, you know, in other words, where you want a jury trial, where you want a jury trial. What'd you say, Charles? Well, I talked before with Carl about trying to bring together common law juries to a. To, we could do it through these phone conferences and online. It wouldn't take much. Oh, yeah. yeah, well, Car- Carl wouldn't do that. Carl wouldn't work with me. He wanted to be the big guru and do everything with his uh, common laws, whatever anybody says it is type of. Well, the only trial. way on these only way on these calls, Charles, is if you're willing to take the fact that. People can listen to it. You can't keep it private, especially if you, if you don't record it. That's fine. That's one way that. But we can have the calls. But it's important, as I think, as a group like you, you can do common law grand jury, right? You have a autonomy on the local level, right? That's beautiful. But what what you need to do is hide that information from motherfuckers so they don't know what your plan is and what you're figuring out. So it's hard to do that on these calls. You need to, if you're going to organize a common law grand jury, you have to have an extreme amount of autonomy. That means you're going to have to keep very private details about what you're informing and reporting on until you actually report or inform. You know what I'm saying? So TalkShoot would not be a great platform for forming a grand jury. Well, there's a number of points at which I 
am forced to disagree with you, Don. Um, uh, mm-hmm. But I do appreciate your well-focused um, uh, narrowing and defining of the issues that we need to discuss. Um, um, well, thank you, Joe. Uh, uh, and I forget what my main point is, but a side point is um, um, the grand jury process. If you look at that, the whole purpose of the grand jury is to legitimize criminal prosecutions by the Roman civil municipal government. See, if you understand that, that both counties and precincts have the right to assemble their own courts of pure common law criminal jurisdiction, this is what's referred to in the, seventh, the, the Sixth Amendment. The districts, uh, the, all, the trial of all crimes uh, shall be in the, in the state and the district within which the crime has been committed. Those districts, I've got case law that says that the word district means precinct. And I've got um, uh, uh, Oregon statute that says that, that, that um, uh, precincts have the authority to elect judicial officers, that have the authority to exercise general jurisdiction, which is criminal jurisdiction. So, so we've got it decentralized right down to the precinct level, the authority to arrest Donald Trump. If he comes walking in here and he starts thinking that he can run drones and bomb people or, or, or anything else that might be threatening to the, the welfare of the people of, of uh, our local precinct community, Technically speaking, as a matter of law, I know practical implement, implementation would be difficult, but we would have the authority to rest his ass. All the authority is in is really profoundly decentralized, but everybody is, is off focusing on superficial bells and whistles that nobody is taking the time to comprehend that Jeep is. There's there's about 3,000 counties in the USA. The precincts, they're under the counties. There's about 200,000 precincts in the USA, okay? That, that means there's 200,000 separate jurisdictions that could elect their own judicial officer that would have the authority to issue an arrest warrant against anybody that is that is messing with the people in in in, 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 that in, in sovereign precinct level jurisdiction, mm-hmm. and that's the real horsepower. I love Hartford. He's providing real valuable insights that I'm sure will be valuable in 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 in, in bringing about the changes that we all profess to seek. But he doesn't comprehend that when the guns come out, nobody cares about who's got the contract with the promises to pay and the debts. It's only going to be about who lives or who dies. Are you saying are you saying that the municipalities will eventually go to guns with the federal government? Uh, uh, well, the, the municipalities presently are franchisees of the, of the present de facto federal government. The, your choice of words there would never happen, Don. Well, just be real. What's the sanctuary city gimmick about then? Well, that that. I'm glad you're bringing the focus over to the sanctuary cities there because uh, I know this is un- my position here is unfashionable amongst my right wing friends, and I, in a lot of ways, I am right wing myself. But on this particular issue, um, um, I support the sanctuary cities proposition. I don't like the feds coming in telling the the, the states that they can't have. 
their own definition of who's a U.S. citizen. See, the federalities have usurped the ability to define who's a U.S. citizen. That wasn't like how that. it was. Huh? No, I said I agree with you, actually. I was thinking of ways to, to actually get behind the sanctuary cities and, and be like, how can we help support this? Because this is good stuff. We don't actually need to get rid of sanctuary cities. Yeah, exactly. But uh, having federal involvement at the state level like that so intrinsically, yeah, no, that can be challenged. Right on, Don. I'm glad you affirmed your support for sanctuary cities. That's a redeeming virtue. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it's a broad subject matter, and it doesn't. It's not limited to immigration. Um, well, see, see, oh, it, who, who, who is migrating? A little bit about uh, uh, the whole U.S. citizenship issue, which is directly related to immigration. Um, uh, see, the, the the deciding of who is a U.S. citizen. Most patriots are up to speed on the fact that in back before the Civil War, uh, war between the states, um, anybody that was a state citizen was also considered a U.S. citizen. You, you're all familiar with that, right? Um, anyone who is considered, yeah, right. You're not. You're a U.S. You're a U.S. citizen if you if you're a state citizen. That's right. And that's okay. actually Hello? before the 14th Amendment. That's correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, but, but if you grasp that principle and you apply it to the next level down there, people that are citizens of the county would be citizens of the state, right? Well, I mean, absolutely, because there is a, they are in within that uh, let, 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 let me go further. Let me take yes. it further with a yes or no question. Um, uh, People that are citizens of the precinct are citizens of the county, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, and people that are citizens of the townships are citizens of the precinct, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And this is where, at the township level, is where we decide qualified elector status. And and, and see, in the individual townships, right. we decide who is it, who is it, who is a qualified elector, and who isn't. And that, and that means that okay, if you're a qualified elector in the township, then you're a citizen of the township. And if you're, and and uh, 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 but but you got to maintain consensus at the township level. And 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 what's beautiful about that is if you look at the jury trial principle, with with unanimous agreements required under due process of law for for verdicts to be legitimate, then you understand that that. Consensus building is an essential element of common law, and and when you when when you then understand that 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 the township level of assembly is only uh, ten heads a household, that that that's two less than a twelve person jury, so so it should be even easier to make consensus about the issue of who's the qualified electors in our uh, township geographical jurisdiction and who isn't. See, and Charles. That's such a great point. I think people overlooked. I never thought of that until you mentioned it. I'm glad you're smart enough to pick up on it, Don. Not many people are capable of following me there. Keep going. That's good shit. 
I just shot my wad. Hey, 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 hey. Yeah, sorry. It kind of, <laughs> uh, mute Charles, Al. Mute Charles. <laughs> I'm glad you have fun, Don. Gus, Gus. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, lots of profound issues, and I get real passionate, as you can tell. Uh, but, but. Once I dump a big old line of uh, uh, pent-up emotion like that, um, uh, it takes me a while to get back on my feet and think about something else. And that's and at that point, uh, if it's just me in the conference here, um, it all of a sudden turns to dead air, and I hate that. Um, the conference is really important uh, to 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 maintain a flow of discussion so that so that the newbies, the people, the nurturing, the, 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 the fresh people that are picking up on our words. We've got to build the community. It's all about building the community. Unless we build the community, our nation is going to go down in flames. I like how you're looking at this and how we can use the Internet and these phone calls to actually uh, enhance the community that ex exists already within, you know, the uh, municipal structure, whatever, the people that are there, you know, they, they claim to be uh, having electors and this and that or whatever. But uh, the Internet and, and these platforms can literally serve as something new, a new way to organize. How can you stop it? <laughs> well, it, Good shit, Charles. It, 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 well, well, well. The internet is a tool, no doubt, like a gun or something. But, but, but the template, the computer program, that's thirty-four hundred years old, reaching back to the times of Moses. Okay, in Exodus eighteen. I don't understand the Bible. Well, how about just history? Just, just consider it from a secular history perspective. Can you do that? I can listen to you talk about it for sure. All right. Well, I can tell you this. From a secular historical perspective, the, the people of Israel were commanded or were, were, were organizing in smaller communities of tens and fifties and hundreds and thousands. Okay, and 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 and, and there's verses in the New Testament. Uh, Mark and Luke that indicate that Jesus was following the same pattern. And that's all we need to discuss about the Bible. But it's historical, and it was reaffirmed under both early Israelite law, Torah law, as well as Christian law. That's all we need to know about the Bible as we plug that little piece of background into the historical perspective. If we jump forward to a, prior to the Norman Conquest, just you know, maybe a hundred years or so before in in early England, um, uh, at that point there were in existence what is called hundred courts. Okay, that 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 phrase hundred court that's available in your Black's Law dictionary. You can do a Google search on hundred courts. Put quote marks around those two words. And, and and you'll bring up uh, web pages referencing hundred courts. These were in existence in early England. I've got documents in my storage unit that um, 
show that um, early American courts or early American colonies um, uh, uh, prior to the revolution uh, were organizing with the hundred courts. Okay, this was a part of our early American, Anglo-American traditional common law system for local community organizing. It's well settled. It's traditional amongst our Anglo-Saxon Protestant culture. And those hundred courts have the judicial power. And the judicial power means that the judicial officer can go anywhere he wants and, and tell anybody he wants to tell what to do, what to do. And the only other person that can stop him is another judicial officer. And he has a right to carry his own hundred-man army with him. Well, then, Charles, why, why are commercial liens – isn't that why commercial liens are so powerful? Because – Someone has to actually sue you to remove the lien. And see, the judge can't just come in and take off the lien. Someone actually has to come in and sue to remove a commercial lien. And that's why it's so powerful, right? At that juncture, you're, you're um, um, uh, forcing the court out of its private jurisdiction into the public jurisdiction. And like Hartford noted, they don't want to go into the public jurisdiction, so that's why they have difficulties in removing the liens. But both public side commercial process and common law due process with a jury can remove those liens. I think Hartford recognized that. And did you pick up on that? You, well, actually, a common law, you said common law can remove one of those liens? Yeah, I did, Hartford admitted a common law jury can remove one of those liens. Actually, that is true. I can see the the relevancy of that, if, especially if the common law was a contract. Well, th th those two t phrases are mutually exclusive, sir. Now, now to to yeah. to paint in a little bit more detail to that picture, um, um, uh, 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 after the Norman Conquest perverted versions of, of common law did uh, 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 homogenize commercial law with the pure version of common law. So uh, you got a Carl Lentz version of a confused version of common law there um, that did incorporate commercial contracts and things like that. So it, it became confused. But, but when you comprehend that that real common law is all about keeping the peace and about just restraining physical violence and the enforcement of contracts that might be unlawful. Uh, that's all common law is concerned with. Then, then you can get an accurate picture of the difference between a pure common law society and all of the adulterations, including commerce, that were brought in with the Norman Conquest. I think, I think Charles, that a pure common law society in response to what you just said, would actually rely okay, on a definite rule of law, which would mean that what would be the rule? Who would be the one to determine what the rule was? It's you know, not I one think person. See, that's the beauty. It's 12 people. Well, uh, that, I'm not arguing. I, I hear where you're going with this, but I guess what I'm really getting at is that Let's say you have 12 people, right, that are of the same status, and they're your peers, and it's common law grand jury, right? But and they don't have knowledge. They they 
trial jury. No, 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 no. Hold on. No, no, no. I'm talking pre-trial. I'm talking about grand juries forming reports. This is the only because no because go straight to trial. Because there's a way to, to grand juries' real effect and power is to, to avoid having to use the court system at all. <laughs> You're obstructing justice. We need access to the courts. We don't need to fear the courts. No, no. You get what I'm saying is that the grand you jury, can, through, through through the reports and the information that they bring forward, can literally say no. You, the state has no authority to bring a, a claim against this man. The, the state is the people. You misdefined the state. You're talking about the de facto state. I, I think people on the call get it. I'm not speaking legalese. But well, you you you, you got to speak legalese. Well, this you is a common law call, so we're just we get out we're not. I mean, I'll let you know when I'm speaking legalese. But other than that, it's always There's common no, law. You speak legalese all the time, or I'm going to be on your ass. <laughs> Someone please talk to me other than Charles because this is too funny. <laughs> Money Mike, have, huh? where where the hell are all my supporters? You don't have any, Don. Uh, that's a, that's foul. Well, listen, I mean, Charles, if you really think about it, that common law ideology, right, that you're talking about, it's valid. You have the grand jury, but you also have the petite jury, which is what you're talking about, at the trial level. I, I mean, but we can stop everything from going that far to the trial level by correct grand jury reports. And you right don't now, understand. We've got, okay, we've got well, the right to hold our own yeah. trials. Mm -hmm. See, if we don't do I the trials you. and follow due process of law with our own jury verdicts, the de facto's are going to continue to run roughshod over us. There's only one solution to the problem, and that's a pure form of common law due process. We can't continue with the adulterations of common law due process. And now, your pure form... What is it, huh? though? What's your pure form of common law? I already explained it to you. Apparently, you weren't listening. No, I I was listening. It just didn't make sense. It made sense. You didn't listen. No, there was a logical fallacy in it, and I discovered it. And well, it's, explain the logical you're fallacy making it extremely Einstein. complex, and you know. Hey, well, explain where I I made a logical fallacy there, Einstein. Well, it comes down to this: that you're. I was no, you don't have a logical fallacy that you're that accusing the grand of, do you? jury. Yes, you're I do. You're blowing smoke again, aren't you, Don? No, I'm not. Nope. Yeah, where's the logical fallacy, Don? Let me speak about it. No, no, you get to the point. The logical fallacy is with you and your grand jury statement. I, I, I don't hear a clearly defined logical fallacy there. I think You're talking about, you said grand jury had to do with the trial level. I Well, that's not true. The logical fallacy no, I didn't is the say grand, grand jury had to do with the trial level. Yes, you did. You're mischaracterizing me. You don't Why know did you actually reference the trial? You're fabricating arguments as you go along. I'm Donald. talking about the grand you, jury. You, Dude, you, get off it. I'm not a fucking perp. Get over it. I'm not a fucking perp. I'm not here to hurt you. Look. I just muted Don. I'm tired of his poop. Um... And I'm going to leave you muted for a while. And I don't care if we wind down the call. Um, other people are wel welcome to talk to me. There's looks like four other callers, Roddy, uh, Marvin, 
Great Gazoo and Aquia. Any of you want to bring a fresh air into the discussion? Hey, Aquia. Good to hear your voice. Thanks. So a lot going on. Huh? It's a lot going on, but oh well, life goes on. All good. All right. I mean, you guys' discussion. Well, it's it's good to hear a cool, calm voice there. I get a little bit emotional with people like Don that kind of push my buttons. Did you have any opinion on all of this legal stuff we're wrestling over? Did you have any opinion about all this legal stuff we're um, um, chatting about? Ah, looks like a queer hung up. Well, that's down to Gazoo and Marvin and Roddy. And, uh, yeah. Well, we, <laughs> we're getting close to four and a half hours now. And um, um, Gazoo, Roddy, Marvin, you're welcome to chime in anytime you like. Um but yeah, we have had kind of a energized discussion here, four and a half hours. We covered a lot of good ground. Um, and Don's a smart young man, um, but he didn't have respect. And see, lack of respect is fatal in old-time common law jurisdictions. People get killed for doing smart okay, words. Huh? Aquila. Okay. I'm here. Yeah, I lost you there. It's okay. Um the phone. But um what I was simply saying is that legal your legal law has this place with whoever ever wish to use it and they think they know how, that's fine. But I do common law. I do the law that's common to man and woman. I then I stick with God's law. Um it works very well for me. Uh, are, are are you similar to Carl Lentz in your interpretation of common law? He's a form of it, that what he uh, used and speak, and what he have said, I've used some of it, and it worked very well for me. Carl does have a good basic process. I I, I agree with that. And I guess one must understand before they can incorporate it in whatever you're doing or know how it's being used to, able to have a better effect on your what are you doing. And uh, I did my studying for myself, and as I said, I incorporate some of his words and teaching, and it worked well, well for me. That's all I can say about that. Well, a lot of Carl's concepts are very powerful, and uh, I, I I don't detract from that. I, I try to do that with all scholars, uh, where I see where mm-hmm. they're doing stuff that's that's good and that seems to be producing good results. Uh, I don't criticize. Um, 
but there's some aspects of what Carl talks about that I do have problems with. Okay. You know, everybody uh, have their own choice. I'll say that. Yeah, yeah that, that that's fine. Yeah. Are you involved in any cases currently? Nope. I'll count your blessings. It's nice to be able to breathe peace and quiet without being in a war zone all the time. Oh, yeah. But I get called about some cases. and um, I just try to share basic stuff. Um, one must look it up and know for themselves. That's what I believe. And because when you're in or you're in that particular situation or matter, you must know what's going on in order to have a better effect on your case. If you don't know what's going on, then those intend to make a lot of mistakes just for not knowing. Because there's remedy. That's what yeah. I see and believe. Well, um, yeah, but we not, might not perceive the same remedy as um, um, being the remedy that's available. Um, I'm inclined to believe that there's a whole lot of corruption in the judiciary, and and with all due respect to Carl, um, uh, he didn't seem to think that it was that cor- corrupted. He seemed to think that if you just say the magic words, uh, um, uh, those, those uh, judges are all of a sudden going to uh, start respecting your rights. Well, I can say I tried some stuff, and it worked very well for me, that cause here, especially about order and many other things, but that's one point out very well. And the judge didn't have nowhere to go. He could never hold me in contempt. Never once did he, you know, try to uh, scare or try to intimidate, if you will, I continue what I believe and say. And he, at the end of it, he told the Bella to take his hands off me. So it worked. I tried. Well, you, it worked. Perhaps you got an honest judge. And I just, was, I just spoke. That's all he did. I didn't do anything else. I just spoke certain words. It worked very well and very effective. So much so to the court. I mean, they had other business that day, you know, many other cases. It worked so much so that the court was held up. It's like if I didn't do whatever my next move, whatever, and we just was a experiment, and no one was saying it for quite some time. It's like, wow. And so, I mean, it worked for me. Yeah, I'm sure what you say is true. Uh, sometimes you do get an honest judge that actually respects your rights and, and actually runs the court over which he presides in in uh, some things that actually resembles an honorable manner. But in other well, instances... Well, not the he way did... he was acting in the beginning. No way. The things he did, and he was yelling at me. So, and I just said certain words and all that stuff. Uh, well, I don't 
I don't think you're capable of saying a proposition that every time people argue similar points of law that you do, you're not going to get a corrupted judge that's going to rule against you. I can't say is he corrupt or he's not corrupt. Or I'm just saying what he that judge, particular judge, said to me, and I felt he was trying to intimidate me in some way. That's not but my point. That was. You know what, though, you guys? That's just I'm dicta. Thinking you, uh, you can speak after me if you don't I'm trying mind. to help you. Sorry. Say you can, yeah, I'm, but I'm speaking to him. I'm speaking to Charles, if you don't mind. Yeah, we're, we're good, Aquila. Uh, I, I muted Don. Okay, well, Don, go for, go for it. I'm, you know. Uh, no, go. We're good. Go ahead and make your point. I was only saying what happened at that particular time, and it happened a couple of times. You know, I used that work very well. Yeah, well, um, I, uh, I'm glad you had a win there, but I think it's error to presume that that your um, uh, strategy is going to work in the future with other judges and other people that are trying to argue similar strategy. I don't think just because Carl Lentz's strategy happened to work in your case with that particular judge that every person that uh, uh, argues in front of every other judge it can can be confident that, that your Carl Lentz strategy is going to work for them. I'll say this. If it, well, if it's you, if it's a it's a remedy, you know, and I use cake a lot. If that cake is made a certain way, and you try this way, that way, it's not so much to be my way. It's just only one correct. It's a correct way, and if I use the correct way, whatever that way may be, then it works. Well, it works with that particular. Are you saying there's no judges ever that are going to ignore you're doing it the correct way and just go ahead and railroad I you? I can't. I can't say yes. I can't say no. But the ones I I've know, been used to, three or four of they listen. That's what I can report it to. There's different judges, different courts. Was in the same particular court, different counties, same state. So I can only say what happened when I spoke. I heard what Carl said. I heard what others say. But I'm just speaking in my experience, what I did. That's all I, I testify to here and now. Um, I'm glad you've got some wins. And I know Carl's strategy is, is basically legal. His process is pretty close to pure common law process. Yeah, Carl Carl knows a lot of the essential elements of common law, and that does tap into some serious horsepower, and that will produce wins, uh, all other things being equal. You don't have a total jackbooted Nazi judge. Yeah, it should produce wins. But um, um, I mean, let me start not to be rude anything. Have you charged, um, tried? You can hear me okay? Have I tried what? Have you tried any of Carl's methods or anything? I was trying Carl's methods before Carl was on the radar. I was just asking some of the things you say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's all I was asking. That's fine. And how it worked out for you? 
I've had problems. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Sometimes I get some a little bit of headway, get a few bumps thrown. But uh, a lot of judges don't like my attitude. And I think they take oh, it Oh, so you mean you was talking a lot of this stuff when you was at the court? Yeah. Did you get on writing paperwork? I put in paperwork. I talked books. Okay. Okay. I was just asking. Okay. All right. Well, I'll just say if you satisfy the way you're doing this, working okay for you, so be it. You know, you have to believe in what you do. It's not working okay for me. It's not? When I start talking judges about real issues, something bigger than stinking stupid traffic cases, um, uh, uh, like mortgages on houses and things the bankers got real interest in, or habeas corpus issues for people that have been railroaded into prison without no just cause, all of a sudden the judges don't like the way I talk anymore. Okay. All I'm saying is what I do, what I've learned, you know, from my parents, our mothers, as well as calling, more so I'll say some things. Um, it's working for me, it has worked well and stuff I have shared with others. I had one guy, the DA, who was trying to put a case against him, who has shouldn't have done it in the first place because he can't have a case against him. They withdrew. And there was some other stuff I could tell you about. But I like these people come on when they come on my call to tell their own story. Um what happened. And there's others. You know, was facing trespass charge, facing time at jail. And I just said, this was me, this is what I would write. And she wrote it and spoke it at the court. They didn't put her in jail that day. And she came out okay. So there's others, but I'm, you're not going to hear and say every story. And then I have some that I say what I do, and then they say, I tried that. Then when I ask questions to see exactly what they did, I find it's not true, not so. They did not say, do what was told to them to do. They did something else or said something else or changed some of the words, or and it didn't work well. That's what I can say. So... To each his own, like I said, um, I hope you find what you're looking for and it works. And I hope, you know, I'm, you know, I could only share what worked for me and give my testimony that I could do. Well, well, um, it's good to have other people out there um, trying to fight for justice and. Um, yeah, it, it sounds like you're generally doing good work, uh, Aquila, and um, so I'm not going to criticize you. Well, I will always hope not, but if one do, like I felt, like I say, 
if you believe my testimony, what I'm saying, I don't really care. If you do not believe it, I don't care. If I know what worked for me, I know what I did. I know the truth. I know how it really is. And hopefully you find that truth in whatever works for you. That's all I can see. I, I, I'm moving forward. I, I've I've got process in motion, and, okay. and uh, it, right now you're just kind of on the peripheral. And if you want to help out and be part of what I'm trying to do, okay, bringing justice to the common people, that's great. Um, but uh, 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 if you want me to jump on Carl Lentz's bandwagon or your bandwagon or anybody else, I got my own bandwagon going here. I don't know. I will never ask you to jump on my big bandwagon or anybody's band. I only share what I do and share what worked for me and where I got the information from. That's what I share. Now, it's up to one to study and look for themselves. If they wish to try that, fine. You don't. That's still fine. It's your case, your situation. And until you do something about it, or try to, then how would you know? I mean, I <laughs> how I even got involved in this, you know, I was still in the legal process. I was really heavily into that and believing it. And when it all started with a case I was helping someone with immigration and when I saw that the lawyer you know, we paying this money and he's not helping. And I'm like, you're not doing anything. Why Why we keep paying you? And now I fire him. And I said, then, that's the day I said, it has to be something else. Yeah, this can't be the only way. That was my turning point. And I began to seek. And I continue to seek this day. I've learned a lot along the way. Learned some things, but which not work, learn some things which do work, and I share. And that's, and I continue to seek. Well, um, I'm glad you're out there doing your work, Aquila. Um, um, but, but um, man, I'm glad you're willing to share. But, but like I've said, I've already got machinery in place that's working fine for me. And if you're well, if you're capable of um, 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 helping me fine tune my machinery to make it run a little better, that's great. Um, um, but but I'm not going to stop my machinery that's already seeming to be working pretty good for me, so that I can go steady call Lance or your work or anybody else's. Okay. Well, I'm not. I'm just sharing my. That's all I'm sitting there doing. I'm not asking. I appreciate no that. We got a little bit of time no, here. I'm just sharing it. That's it. All right, all right. We're good, Aquila. Um, hey, Charles. Oh, do you think done? Charles, yeah. let me ask you a quick question. Uh, you count on my poop list, Don. I know, but Keep I don't believe mind. that I'm. I don't believe I'm threatening you, and I just want to ask you one quick question to prove that I'm not threatening threatening you. I'm not interested in your proof. I got my own opinions. Get your. Point. Do you believe? Do you think I can hurt you? 
you probably could hurt me if you had enough money and resources. Yeah, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're capable of. I'm paranoid. Right. So you you don't know what I'm capable of. So there's no real reasonable belie- reason to believe that I could hurt you, right? Those, those two, your second proposition has no relationship whatsoever to your first proposition, Doc. I'm saying it doesn't make sense because I'm not a threat. You have no, you don't know me. No, 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 no. That's not what I said. You don't know me. I've got a and... pretty good vibes checker going. I think I know a little bit about you. Well. That's you can you're you're entitled. I just want to be at peace with you, you know. Well, 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 you go about it all wrong when you go shitting in my conference, Don. Well, okay, that's up for a debate. But oh, I no, just want to say, you know, it's I'm not, not a threat. This is my I'm not a threat to you in any way, shape, or form. I don't want to take your limelight. I will decide whether or not you're a threat to me, Don. Okay. Okay. Well, not physically, at least. I, your words are meaningless, Don. Do you have something worthwhile? Well, yes, I do. About? You can't prove that you know me, so you don't know that I'm capable of hurting you. For all you know, I could be crippled. All Don. my limbs could be damaged. You don't know anything about me, so therefore you have no evidence that proves that you're really threatened. Therefore, Don, it's not a Don. threat. It's, I know the Somebody law, dude. in the chat window earlier, I forget who it was, but they made a comment about you that kind of implied you might be a crackhead. Listen, in order to be really threatened by me, you have to have a reasonable belief that I could really do damage or hurt you. Are you a crackhead, Don? Listen, am I supposed to answer that question? That's why I asked it. That's what normal people I mean, do in respectful conversations. Or you be calling dogs like crazy. Listen, let's just focus on the facts, okay? It'd be real simple to just say, no, I'm not a crackhead. Yeah, I don't smoke crack. How about that? Are you a crackhead, Don? What is that? That could mean different things. To, it could mean different things to different people. You know, and some of them might be might be within your parameters. You might be a, a crackhead in, in in some people. I don't lives. know. Then I guess I just think, I can say this. I don't, I don't know. But I do know this. I do know this that I, that I'm not attacking you or distracting from the call, because you are a man with knowledge, bro. And I like this concept that you were talking about earlier, regarding yeah, community, and, and the community, the community. Just get. Get away from attacking me don't and get away from that do, because don't. that's a total distraction. People are, I don't know who's teaching you or telling you to distract. <laughs> I muted Don again. He didn't even call in under Don this time. He called in under California. I muted him again. And Rodney King. Mr. Rodney King. Mr. King? The only new voice here is uh, somebody that called in named Mr. King. Uh, you a rational human? What you talking about rationale? Well, I'm muted. 
twenty. He's being asked. Mr. Hello, King, Mr. King uh, how are you? You sound like a COINTELPRO subversive, Mr. King. I think Mr. King's working the at the Flying J over in Russellville. I got no idea what you're talking about, and I think you're mis- you're the only one could be Mr. King. You talking third person there, Mr. King? I'll be over here to barbecue, Joey. Thank you. Well, Mr. King, I think I'm going to mute you, and I think I'm going to probably wind the conference down here. There you go, Mr. King. You're muted. And uh, Hello, the other two here is Marvin and Aquila, um, and uh, and Roddy, Roddy, Marvin, Aquila. Um, I'm thinking about winding down unless either of the three of you got any uh, comments or questions you'd like to share here. I'm good. Thanks for the call. Charles, I have, I have uh, a question. <laughs> Is that Roddy? Who is it? No, this is actually Donaldson, believe it or not. No, I'm Roddy. Yeah, that's Roddy. This is Donaldson. Are you in wow. My... How did I do it? Did you get Roddy to three little patch in? I don't know. I just came on the call. I don't know what I did. Aquila? Uh, yeah, yeah. I magically Somehow appeared, I... yo, is all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I, I detect in disingenuousness. But, but, but you, you got a point. Go ahead and make it done. Why do you hate me, bro? I love you, man. Stop hating me. I love you, man. Just relax. Well, well, well. I'm, I, you know? Roddy, you're, you're allowing Don to come in here. I'm going to have to mute you too, Roddy. Look, I'll just leave, okay? Don't worry about it. I'll leave, Charles, all right? Take care, man. Well, conference is winding down anyway, fellas. It's... Um, yeah, we're probably less than 10 minutes from being shut down by talk shoes. So we've accomplished a lot here this evening. I think I'll go ahead and call it an end here. Um, meow. Um, well, well, meow back at you too, Iron Prize. Uh, uh, but we're shutting down recording. God's will be done on this earth. On this earth. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.